Chantal Ackerman is a Belgian director who is considered a pioneer of the feminist avant-garde. One of a wave of experimental directors in the second half of the 20th century, she was inspired to become a director after seeing Godard's Pierrot Le Fou. Je n'avais jamais vu, je ne savais pas qui était Godard, aucune idée. Je, je savais à peine que qu'il existait un cinéma d'auteur. Quand j'allais au cinéma, j'allais voir La Grande Vadrouille ou les films de Walt Disney, enfin, et juste pour s'amuser, pour sortir en bande, pour manger des ice cream, mais certainement pas pour avoir un choc émotionnel ou pour voir une œuvre d'art. Je ne savais pas que le cinéma pouvait être une œuvre d'art. Et donc, euh, je rentre dans ce film parce que le titre me plaisait, Pierre Oulfou. Et j'ai vu ce film euh, et c'était quelque chose de tellement autre tellement différent, j'avais l'impression qu'il me parlait à moi que c'était de la poésie. The same night she watched it at just 15 years old, she decided to become a film director. Her debut film, Hotel Monterey, in 1972, was a silent documentary which used long takes and meticulous staging to create optical illusions. Her first critically acclaimed film, Chez Tu Il Elle, in 1974, is a drawn-out story of a young girl beginning with So I Left. Julie lives alone in her room, eats sugar out of the bag, writes letters, and rearranges her furniture. She then leaves and hitchhikes with a man who takes her to a bar, monologues about his life, and she gives him a handjob. In the final third of the film, Julie visits an ex-girlfriend who tells her she must leave in the morning, and then they make love for 15 minutes. Julie then leaves, bringing the film around full circle. Tonight, though, we are talking about Jean Delmin, Bentois, Quai du Commerce, 1420, Bruxelles. This is Chantal Ackerman's most famous and acclaimed film, often topping the list of some of the greatest films of all time. Here, Claire Atherton, Chantal's editor, explains some of the subjects broached in Jean Delmin. 
And so she thought that she would just film this woman for a woman for three months, uh, for three days, three days of the life of a woman. And she didn't know much more. And it's while doing it and even after that she realized all the subjects that it crosses this film. And I think that's why it's so strong. And that's why um, even when you're 12 years old, you feel things. It's because it's very, very full of many, many um, paths. And it's a film, you could say, about a woman. It's not a portrait, but it's a film about a woman. It's a film about anguish also, um, about how you fight against it and how you build the time to have things to do, to not to to uh, be swollen by anguish. It's a film about feminism, about potatoes, about time, about... No, really, it's... Uh, um, Chantal's mother loved uh, this this film, and in particularly the, the she loved the the scene with the potatoes. She said that it was so strong, and everything was in this scene. Chantal cast Delphine Seyrig, known as a glamorous feminist director and actress, to play Jean Delmin, a widow and mother. The film follows three days in her life. Jean's life is extremely organized into a routine. Si vous voulez organiser son temps de manière à ne pas laisser trop. Et au bout de la, à la fin de la deuxième journée, tout cet univers très organisé va commencer insidieusement à se dérégler. Et à ce moment-là, il y aura un trou dans son horaire qui laissera place à l'angoisse, à la réflexion. It was filmed over the course of five weeks with a crew of all women, which Chantal later said it was a disaster because she didn't pick the women and anyone who wanted to join the crew could. It was paid for with a grant of $100,000 from the Belgian government. Chantal's mother, with whom she was extremely close, even committing suicide a year after her mother died, said this was her favorite film that her daughter made. Much of Chantal's work revolved around her mother, a Holocaust survivor, and even subconsciously, this film reflects that. Je ne sais pas si lui envoyer un film comme Jean Dillman euh, au visage était euh si généreux que ça, parce qu'en fait, c'est vrai qu'elle s'y est reconnue, ainsi que toutes mes tantes, ainsi que plein de gens de cette génération-là, de plein de gens de ce milieu-là, de, des femmes. Much of this film is purposefully banal and minimalist, and although it didn't immediately catch on in Belgium, it quickly became a European cult classic. Jean Delmin was the first feature directed by a woman to top the sight and sound greatest film of all time poll. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. <laughs> We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, 
co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Right now, Conan is working on Catterwall 2023. Catterwall Music Festival is going to be in Minneapolis from May 26th to 29th. Tickets are on sale now at catterwall.org. Christina Oaks. When she's not dog-sitting, you can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at, at cosmopolitics. Throw her some subs on Twitch. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Matthew Film Guy Weiss, feature film editor, editor of 2020's Black Bear, Majority Report's chief film critic, at least until our Sam Cedar pitch, and runs a weekly film discussion group <laughs> at Common Point Queens, which you can join virtually right now. I, of course, am you're no longer suffering after getting the tooth-pulled host, Boris Miller, Movie Night Extravaganza's intro master, and poor man's wealthy dilettante. Let's let her rip. <laughs> wow. This is, yeah, saying the quiet part out loud, apparently. All right. <laughs> I, I just remembered I have something. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got that. You got that thing. The thing that you were, yeah, yeah the thing. It, it just yeah. Uh, it reminded me, yeah. No, no, good luck with that. He, he may want to downgrade. I don't know. <laughs> Matthew, welcome back. It's a great Thank to have you. It's a, I feel really warm. Welcome here. Uh, I'm really happy to be back. I'm glad I did this. I have no regrets whatsoever. Good to see you. All. I know. Yeah, I, I have nothing to do with these intros, by the way. Well, you, I mean, you get to you get to be the milk on the table. So, I mean, that's you know, that's yeah. a it's a, it's a it's a high honor position. What 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 else is on the table? Steak? I feel like I feel like I'm over the sugar bowl, but I don't know. Whatever you think. <laughs> uh this is a push as far as like the kind of movies when we push. We we like we we do a lot of different kinds of films, and we do do art house fair. This may be the most arty art house movie I think that we've ever done. Uh, that that and and I'm not sorry about that at all. I'm glad we're doing it, but uh, it is remarkable. I, I was familiar with Chantal Ackerman before. Uh, because I, of course, I'm a, a scholar <clears throat> and uh, have wonderful taste. But when Sight and Sound named this as the number one movie of all time, I was I, I was amongst like, huh, really? Like, I mean, I, I was like pleasantly surprised. Didn't have like a Paul Schrader like reaction, uh, but it did kind of surprise me a little bit. And then that launched uh, Jean Dillman. Which also, can we just say the like one of the most daunting titles of all time? Uh, because it's the whole sentence. I don't uh, want to tell you how many uh takes it took to say the whole, the whole sentence. <laughs> you're really glad you're pre recording those intros, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> I've literally never even attempted to say the whole address. I don't speak French, so I just call it Jean Dillman and I call it good. Yes, and and, and, and I, I, figured, though, if I, I was gonna do a, a recorded intro, I needed to say it one time to like, Respect. I don't know. Like a, you know. get, get it get it once and uh, yeah that's enough. Uh, but I think that uh, you're trying acid. You know you do it once. You're like I've done that. I've said the entire Jean Dilman. Uh, you know the sentence. It's it's done. So I've, I've said I've, I've said your dang words. I've I've crossed <laughs> it off my bucket list. Big army of darkness <laughs> energy there. Um, but I'm but it's interesting because because I think Chantal Ackerman is definitely a uh, like a film nerd's film nerd director. Right. Like it's sort of uh, the folks that know Chantal Ackerman is like shorthand, like, oh, you're deep in this. You know, you know, you know, your your stuff. You're into like, you know, uh, the, the more stuff that's not even just the standard fair Estine stuff. And 
it's always exciting when something gets a moment in the sun that otherwise would not get a moment in the sun. Right. And so that, and, and that, and, and the controversy of, is, look, we deal with like these, like, you know, controversies every day. Most of them are terrible. Most of them I don't want to know anything about. That controversy was great. So it's like, hey, at least they're talking about movies. I mean, Jesus. Right. <laughs> but and, it, and, uh, not like, and not like the casting choices of the race <laughs> of the movies. Like, <laughs> like Taika yeah. Waititi's uh, Kira or something, you know. They made the potato woke. Yeah. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but Matthew, I'm curious because because you were because uh, I, I was a Chantal Ackerman fan before, but I actually had not seen this one because this was sort of like a white whale for a lot of folks uh, film length. Um, and it, it, it's not that I was like, oh, I don't want to see that. I was like, no, I do want to see that. But I need to set aside enough time to see that and be fully engaged with it. But I think this is like your third time seeing it or something, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's actually my fourth. I have tickets that I saved from two of them, but I think the first time I saw it. I didn't save the ticket, but we're going back at least 20 something years. Cause when I, when I came to New York, I was, you know, looking for a screening of this. Cause at that time it wasn't even available on home video. It, it only came out on a Belgian DVD set. And I think 2009, wow. and then finally it came out on Blu-ray, I think in 2012. So the only way to see this for years was waiting around for the Museum of the Moving Image, or I think it was the Museum of the Modern of Modern Art where I saw it first. But you know, I, I, all all the discussion of its um, place on the site and sound pole aside for a minute, which I'm sure we'll want to dive into. I was interested in Chantal Ackerman because Jim Jarmusch name dropped her. You know, it was right. somebody yeah. that uh, you know I came into it being a Jim Jarmusch fan, and he said, "Well." I owe so much to, you know, I think she maybe even taught him at NYU. I can't remember if that's 100% true. But his first, his thesis film, Permanent Vacation, was very much indebted to her. And uh, I maybe even dedicated in the screen to her. But regardless, it was his, you know, through his uber film nerddom that I learned of it and sought it out. And, you know, yeah, it, it is one of those accomplishment movies like you made it through but it's not necessarily <laughs> even even the most of that like you know i've also seen you made it through here's your trophy exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> but there's there's ones that put it to shame too there's satan's tango which is seven hours and our yeah. hitler which is like eight hours so it's you know all those things about it are are interesting and 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 definitely i'd say like what i think you're describing a bar to entry in a way but um Part of what I even really want to say when we get into discussing the movie is that I don't know to what extent it's even as easily apprehendable on a screen where you're basically looking at it. So, I mean, it's hard to disprove a negative, you know, and like mm -hmm. say like because you can't do the experiment once you've seen it on a small screen. What would it be like on a big screen? But I just know from from my point of view, I'm not the most, um, you know, uh, a I, ha I don't have the greatest power to focus it in to start with. And this movie tests you. And I just, one of the things that blows me away about it is that it is actually kind of like a forced meditation. Once you give over to it and you are able to zone in and it's, it, it's hard to zone in. Um, it actually is taking you into its frequency. And I don't know if I would have been able to love it the way I eventually did if I, had was at home god forbid even with my phone or anything else to look at so um you know that you can't really separate a discussion of the meaning and the value of this movie with what it's 
asking you to do that test that you're alluding to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, seeing it with you in the theater or, you know, like three fourths of it, at least, um, it was, it was like, it was the worst time for me to actually be doing that. Cause I just had gotten that tooth pulled like two days before and like, I'm on a crazy dose of antibiotics. So like I was running to the bathroom over and over again throughout the entire three and a half hours, but you were watching you were? it, but, <laughs> but like, right. Like, Watching it on, watching it on a on a on a screen like a giant screen is is very different because I watched it then after that on my uh, laptop screen, not my laptop itself. I have like a second screen that's you know it's bigger and it's like one of those. You watch it on his phone on the bus with uh, no speed, you know, no headphones in, just going. Yeah, I mean, maybe as, as movies are meant to be. You put your phone right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those, my, those medium second, shots really pop on the iPhone. Let me tell you. I have my second uh, art screen. And but like the the quality of it on the Criterion uh, channel thing is like you know 720. It's not like uh, like it was so crisp and clear. And the spatial elements of it um, and the focus uh, like in the actual filming, right? Like watching it on a screen, you really did feel like uh, you're looking into like a like a three dimensional um, portrait almost, right? Like like an actual than, house. Yeah. yeah, like rather than on on the screen, I I was noticing over and over again, I wasn't feeling the same. Uh, like you know, the same amount of drawn into it um, that I did watching it on a on a giant you know a giant screen in front of me uh, at the Museum of the Moving Image, which you know has the the giant uh, like the, the the big screen that has the good stuff, right? Like, <laughs> well, I like well, to and say that's... it's the difference between looking at it and seeing it. You know, it's right. when it's when you when it doesn't take up your peripheral vision and you're able to see other elements, objects, whatever it's it changes your ability to focus it, it it just can't be helped which one of the reasons that why uh when pandemic hit one of the few sort of creature comfort expenses that i actually allowed myself is uh when we were replacing the tv we got uh what i can only really characterize as a preposterously large television uh with a preposterously uh high frame rate and, and all that uh, and it takes up an entire wall practically and it's awesome uh nice. and I actually did that. If I remember correctly, I did that before I was even like a co-host on this show. But it was one of the things. Where, well, I think I'm gonna be watching a lot of movies the way things are going with this COVID. So <laughs> now it's a write-off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the system works, people. Uh, but I think that the, the, well, you said something very important too. Um, uh, the distraction, right? Like the, the like we live in a very distractible time. Everything's meant to be pulling focus and like pulling your attention away. And this is the the only way this film works is if you're just deep in it like you have to be so deep in it that like you're you're it feels like you're in the room that again like you know what what's it like when a spoon drops you're like oh my god mm -hmm. <laughs> <You> dropped a spoon <laughs> it's exciting the, um i think i think the first notice that i had that she was kind of losing it uh is the button the and, button yeah yeah you're and, like, and, whoa, whoa. And that, felt, that felt very like it, it felt off-putting like it put it felt very very off-putting in the sense of like huh like this is like like something's just off. This isn't like her. She's not normally yeah. like this. Yeah, exactly. well, and, and I've, and I've gotten to know her quite a bit. I think at this point, <laughs> over the last couple of days. You know, the audience that uh, Forrest that you and I saw it with, there was a lot of people coming in and out. It wasn't quite as locked in as other audiences I've seen before. Like you were not alone by any means with people having to come and go. And I, but well, we in all got other... pulled before the screening, right? All of yeah. us in the audience, and we 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 didn't we didn't invite you. We didn't think we didn't think you'd want to lose a tooth. But it, it was like when I saw True Grit in uh, you know rural Tennessee. There were so many missing teeth at that theater. 
<laughs> but the, the point I'm making is I, I, I've actually been in screenings where if you, it, you know, and this is how I pitch it to people. If you can watch it with any kind of attention for the first about 90 minutes where you start to sort of get in her groove and the film sort of starts to have you notice these little things by the time they start to go wrong and you suddenly realize like, oh, it's not necessarily a story. It's these little moments of attention that are starting to fall apart that are telling you this quote unquote story. And it's, I've seen it with some audiences that were so locked in that by the time she picks up that plate while she's making the meatloaf and the, and the milk bottle goes like, woo, for a second and she yeah. has to grab it, the yeah. audience gasps like Freddy Krueger jumps out. <laughs> like, yeah. So it, it, to me, this is what I've always maintained is the genius of this movie up quite apart from all the ideas we can talk about that it has feminism, capitalism, family, uh, trauma, OCD, all these great things that are in it. The way it actually works on your mind, that to me is what justifies it being so highly regarded. Number one, the use of the medium to do something to you that's it, that is akin to a, a forced meditation, sort of like training wheels to sort of meditate onto these little things that start to become meaningful. That is genius. And of course, it started this kind of slow cinema movement and it has its own antecedents yeah. too. But the, 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 the marriage of form and content in this movie is so um, genius, integral, like so powerful in a way that I had never seen any other movie do before. And, and I love, you know, Tarkovsky and Ozu and Bresson, all these people who yeah. use the medium in their own really inimitable way and different way. But just the, the duration, the length, the things that it asks you to do in order to understand it, um, that to me is the whole point of this movie. Uh, and and I, I think it's... I think it's insane when they uh, ramp that up. And there's a couple moments where they do. Like, but the, the moment that they most clearly ramp it up, if you're in a theater and you don't have access to like the volume control, right, is when she picks up the baby and the baby will not stop crying. And she picks up the baby like three separate times. And that screech, if you're in a place where you can't like, like, like it, it makes oh you want to kind of claw out yeah. your ears. Yeah, it's, it's like the sound of a, a cat that's being. Why uh, you know, I don't mangled. want kids. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and obviously, as the parent here, laughed, I could tell immediately. I could tell immediately that that baby needed to shit and was uh, being constipated <laughs> at that moment. The baby really last... needs to go. It's like, we need to get one more, one more baby scream. Can, can you... <laughs> well, well, I, 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 I edited a movie with a lot of baby crying, and uh, believe me, it is a test of your patience. And uh, it, it's a sound that we're not programmed to enjoy in any way. But you, you, if you notice, Forrest, you remember the audience was laughing. That was like the biggest laugh of the whole screening, practically. Although there was a lot of... This is a movie where you don't really know whether to laugh or not in some places. Mm. And it's interesting to see with an audience. But that baby crying was like, I thought, the biggest expression from the audience the entire three hours. It's, it's yeah, like, well, I'm, I, not, I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. It's like some people laugh for like other reasons. Right. Well, and, and and release. Themselves. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, I think, it, like, because I laughed when the baby was crying, like, the, by the, like, the third or fourth time when she picked up the baby, I was, like, laughing really hard. But I think, I was thinking about it, it's almost like, I mean, it's a response to, like, kind of knowing a director is testing you, number one. But number two, also, like, the sound of the baby crying and wanting to kind of block that out and, like, release the tension as, like, a tension valve. Because it's, well, it's such a deep... And also, if you remember, 
the baby only cries when she picks it up. When she yeah, picks it down. It. So everything she does gotcha. to address its needs, it makes she makes worse. So that kind yeah. of uh, dark irony, I think, is actually kind of funny. But yeah, there was a lot of things that happened. I mean, look, I I felt the ten the the sort of desire to laugh even this fourth time around when, and maybe even more so, noticing other things that I hadn't before. When you see her little OCD things that and like I admit to being like partially OCD, never like maybe formally diagnosed, but like the way she touches things when she walks out, the way she, uh, you know, has to do things the exact same way. Some of those things are just funny as a kind of a recognition, but they're also, you know, very sad and, and very, uh, you know, indicative of a, of a problem, too. So it's very a lot of layered feelings there. I have a question. Have well, you that... ever taken drugs before you watch this movie? Because, like, <laughs> I want to know those, the people have who I stare ever at not? the camera. Uh, like, <laughs> like when, when there's the long shots where, where these people are actually, like, staring at the cameras, they're walking by. Like, like, would that freak you out on the big screen? Well, I've never done, a, like, hallucinogenics, but I've taken Adderall to watch this movie. I think it probably... Hey, I did that. Out of the door. <laughs> I did but, that twice this week. <laughs> yeah. If ever there was a movie that uh, it was... a prescription for it's this because it it handy out of the door yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i you know you got i always say to people like have two strong cups of coffee because but even then you're 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 standing on some things that are happening for so long like at at this point watching her make the meatloaf or watching her peel the potatoes that's action there's other things where she's just sitting right and then the 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 sort of the next level attention is you have to look at her face because the other thing that I think is important about this movie is Delphine Seerig doing what I like to start calling a, a wordless monologue. She things are happening to her. She's having feelings. She's having reactions, but they are so subtle and so underplayed, if you will, that it's it really requires the finest of attention. You can kind of lose the thread. And I'm thinking especially of that final final shot where she yeah. goes through this whole series of very minor but uh, uh, really lots of waves of different reactions. That if you're sort of not really focused, it just seems like she's just blan- blandly sitting there. But there are other scenes that are almost similar where she's just waiting or, you know, just walking that your mind can tend to wander. And, it, you know, I always well, think and that, and that, and she, had, she took that final scene and she put it in actually in a museum, uh, sep- separated it from the rest of the film and just took that separate scene and projected that on a screen uh, nonstop at, a, at an art museum at one point. Oh, and really? Had, I didn't know that. that. It was called something like "Woman Who Was Just Killed" or something like that, and it was just. And it, she didn't have the murder part. She didn't have any of the previous part. It was just that reaction uh, wow. playing on an endless loop in a museum. Wow! When was that? Well, uh, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, it, it also just reminds me that, like, I mean, that scene is homaged in "Portrait of a Lady on Fire," uh, with Celine Sciamma has gone gone on and on saying that um, uh, it's not it's spoiler, not the same. Spoiler, spoiler it's not the same. Okay. It's not really I, the same. I'm still waiting to see that. Go on. Uh, but she's a huge fan of. Ackerman and has like gone on record as as saying so and I didn't realize they'll see that scene I was like oh okay cool she's like that was an homage to that scene because there is just like I think this movie like <laughs> like look we've we've done both the the new dune not new new metal and you new but new dune and uh we've done the I guess they call it the De Laurentiis dune at least Lynch wants you to call that where they do like the the real the narrate Oh, like where you hear the internal monologue and it's like, you know, the whisper, which I think is, is actually a cool effect. I think a lot of filmmakers would have had some of that interior monologue that you're talking about, Matthew. And then like that would have been in the film and that would, and you would have, 
and, and uh, that takes away all of the mystery of it, but it probably makes a more accessible film, but a, a lesser work of art because you have to kind of figure out, like, again, through these small actions. Like, like again, we talked about day three. She misses the button. Like, Whoa, what's going on? What's wrong? You know, oh, her hair doesn't look like it's put together as it normally is. Like, and then when you see that shot of the this same kitchen that we've been looking at for hours, but it's from a different angle, like, where the hell is she? What's going on? What's happening? <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's just the same room, but it's a different shot. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, the, something's different. All right. Everybody and, calm down. <laughs> yeah, you know, Conan, it's your your I I get I totally appreciate the impulse to to look at this movie of like, what is it doing that most movies don't do or what is it not doing that most movies do that that is a a natural reaction to this and i I think it's so it's sort of freakish that Chantal ackerman this is really like her first or second feature it's like 25 or something yeah she made this and she sort of came fully formed with this aesthetic and this you know the courage and the insight to do this and I, i think it is connected to that really great clip for us that you played where she says like i didn't even know about movies as art until i was like much older you know, she wasn't trying to remake her favorite moments or even thinking of this, the language of cinema in a received way. So she was coming to it with this unique vision, this complete and total like blank canvas. And yeah, was interesting. Um, like earlier in that clip, she uh, she's like, I watch, you know, Disney movies with my friends and stuff. But like, that's like that's the extent of it. And so she saw, you know, Godard yeah. and realized that cinema could be more than just uh, that. Um, so yeah. I, I have a few clips from uh, the documentary of them oh, cool. making this. Yeah, the um, documentary is great. I find that very fascinating. It is incredible. And you'll, you'll hear her talking about what she doesn't want and fighting Sayrig, who is as genius as she is, was looking for a more mundane... A traditional, idea. like... Yeah. yeah, she's a movie star. She's I want to understand how why this is. And she says, well, I don't want to tell you, you know? And that's like, what? Yeah. Well, she... <laughs> and she later became a, a director uh, herself. And her movie is about... Um, like, her documentary has uh, Chantal Ackerman in it. Uh, as well as Jane Fonda and, you know, a bunch of other people talking about um, the expectations that get put on actresses, which is kind of a... It's called Lady for Brady, right? Is that what it's called? <laughs> and also, this, this is the same year she did India Song, Randy. which is another... Uh, India Song is another weird one by... Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Marguerite Duras. And uh, they're both weird. So uh, Sarig deserves credit for enabling these uh, unique artists. <laughs> Women, too. Yeah. All right, roll it. Thank you. 
Bon, alors, alors, tu vas, tu te rappelles du café. plays a game they're like all right here's what you do here's the play and they're like yeah, yeah map it out through. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, you're gonna go to the left you're gonna go to the right this scene is actually funny too you know she she thinks there's something wrong with the coffee maybe it's the milk and pours another cup it's like that drama teacher in ladybird it's the coach the coach taking over the drama class <laughs> All right, you have to, you have to. we're gonna need to rush to the sink. All right, draw out the two cups. All right, run, run back there. Sniff the, uh, sniff, sniff the milk. Make sure the milk. <laughs> all you have is the movements. That's the thing. That's all you have. I think, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I was just like saying, like the movement's like all you have, right? So it's like it has to, like every, you know, what do they say, micro expression, like, you know, has to like tell the story. So if we had like all of that matters, 100% of it all the time, always. And, and that coffee scene is actually particularly interesting because she goes through a, a few aborted like attempts to make the coffee. And yeah. it, this time watching it through, I was thinking, wow, she really, she, that's, it's like all part of her, I don't know if you want to call it breakdown or disturbance. Like she doesn't know what's wrong. She thinks it's the milk, maybe she pours another one, but then she takes right. one sip. No, that's no good. Pour it out. So it, she's almost getting manic at, at that point. So that scene is particularly expressive and evocative, especially compared to what came before. And relatable. Yes. And relatable. <laughs> it's all relatable. That's the sad thing. It, it felt ma like manic to me watching it in the theater. I mean, maybe it's just my own state of, of mind, but um, it felt very, uh, like, it, it, it felt off, right? Like, she didn't really like the, the like the taste of the coffee or whatever. She's, like, smelling the milk. Like, it, it feels yeah. like that is very much a part of her breakdown. Yeah, um, and also the funniest thing to me is the OCD of, like, she measures the two. She looks to find exactly the two same-sized. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Every every little moment in this, nothing is wasted. <laughs> they don't tell you very much about her background, but like they do drop the fact that uh, she was, you know, the Holocaust had happened, and she either was uh, taken away in the Holocaust or, uh, you know, her lost family in the Holocaust. Like, you know, her family was 
you know, there's uh, one, there's one line where she's talking to to Sylvan and saying, uh, you know, my parents were dead, so I lived with my aunt after the war, and she's yeah. giving this long, you know, almost an info dump of what happened to her and why she was with her husband at the time. But, but yeah, so that the, is the immeasurable the immeasurable trauma of that, right? Like her uh, her inevitable you know, break down when things uh, stop going through this routine or whatever, you know, when the routine breaks down, her inevitable um, breakdown makes so much sense when you realize like the enormity of the trauma of something like the Holocaust happening and losing your family and that. And like, you know, to that background, because that's what happened to uh, Chantal's mother. Uh, both her parents died in the Holocaust. Um, like, it, both it, yeah, right. I, I, and, and before we move on uh, in the comments, uh, Robert Robert Bellissimo at the movies said that they also did an homage to this film in the miniseries Mrs. America, which I now remember uh, that's about Phil Schlafly, um, Kate Blanchett, uh, Tar, as you may know her, Lydia Tar, is a great America. Great show. Uh, I looked it up because I remember it was sort of like, oh, well, she's basically done her part to like put a bullet in the head of like the feminist movement or whatever. And then her reward is like she gets to go back to peeling the potatoes. And it, it is if you look at it side by side, it is, I was like, oh, that is absolutely there. I just want to throw that in there because I'm probably not going to get a chance to throw that in. Oh, that's really interesting. And thanks, Robert. Yeah. Robert's the host of his own very excellent uh, movie podcast. So uh, glad he's with us, Robert. Good to see you. And, I, didn't and I, I knew there were other homages. I just couldn't think of them. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah, yeah, that no, elevator scene, that that elevator scene, that you know, because we kept seeing yeah. the, uh, the, you know, that that shot of the elevator with the lights kind of going through. And yeah. I, I don't know where I've seen that before, but I remember like in my bones seeing that as a small child and 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 uh, uh, something like it. Uh, I was thinking of a racer head, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> like I well, mean, Lynch did so. The, the other movie that sure. comes to mind immediately for me as homage is Todd Haynes is safe. Uh, I don't know if yeah, you guys that movie. that's one of my favorite safe. movies of the '90s. But yeah. some of the similar, you know, really, it's one of the similar themes of of like a selflessness, a woman who doesn't know yeah. who she is unless she's related to somebody else, and also you know some of the sort of wide photography stuff. Uh, Todd Haynes, a uh, very interesting filmmaker. Very, very interesting. But I can, I can see that. I, I think. Um, well, and, all right, bring him Sylvain. That kid sucks. Like he <laughs> sucks, right? Can we all disagree that kid sucks? And the actor, yeah. the actor is in that documentary, um, and he's like, "Hello, I play Sylvain." And I was like looking at him, and I was like, ah, "I'm not going to include this clip." <laughs> yeah, I mean, does a great job of just being like, "Look, she's like he sucks." Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he's he's listen. This is part of what you start to learn is he is being kept as this dependent by her need yeah. to serve. Right? She she didn't. She said she didn't care about sex with her husband. She didn't really care. She's obviously having sex for money. By the way, we haven't really even mentioned that. Uh, that's because, part because it's like the one most mundane examples mm -hmm. of a uh, sex work I've ever seen depicted in film, which yeah. I love, by the way. I've never, yeah. I've never seen it just be that. And you get that. that within the first five minutes, so it definitely is like laying a marker down, like, oh, okay, yeah. this is what she's doing. It's not just you know the housework and the errands, but he, you know, he is also a result of a woman who like makes his bed, folds his clothes, feeds him his meals, does ever shines his fucking shoes. Can you remember when at a time where you ever shined a shoe? That's all gone. <laughs> That's all gone. But you know, she is Yet I still use go get your shine box as an insult. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since I, about to say I don't shine any shoes. But the point is he is he is infantilized. He has no idea what sex is. His friends are yeah. telling him about it. That's it sounds worst. terrible to him. 
So he is sort of... Uh, you take his sword, but... you plunge in the sword as deep as you can, and you just keep plunging. Right. So <laughs> he tells the whole story about how he made her sleep with him because he was afraid that she was going to get stabbed, yeah. and she's like, you needn't have worried. That's another big laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's so like, we, that is actually want... a really funny scene, too. Yeah. You, know, yeah. Like... You, you shouldn't have worried about that. was not going to happen. But that, he, that's, to me, part of what, who he is, is he's just this... Um, other place for her to put her sense of control so you know and i can only imagine that Chantel maybe felt that way about her mother you get to see if all the dogs are broken it, it, felt, it felt very much like the, <laughs> yeah uh, well sometimes that's what she hears a, a dog in a movie or something she jumps up okay. and just starts no these i don't know up. there's somebody's in the hallway trying to get in i don't know I get murdered. I think Andy's in the hallway trying to get in this conversation. Andy, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, I was just saying it reminded me a bit of uh, uh, Every Sperm is Sacred, where where it's like, we've only had sex four times and we have four children. It's like, but it's very clear, like when you first see Sylvain, right? You're like, oh, is this like her kid or like a young husband? The actor's a little old for uh, what he's playing, I guess. And then, but then when she admonishes him about reading at the table, like, oh, kid, okay. You know, like that actor's like, face is is so comically, uh, you know, French slash Belgian. It reminds me yeah. of uh, like one of the cartoons in Triplets of Bellevue or whatever. Triplets of Belleville. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, but it, but then like he's just so he's taken up the same place in her life that her husband did. Like yeah. she does the same things, but it's just like oh, it's just I mean, this kid, this she... this kid who never once says thank you. For literally anything at any point, by the way. Well, and the father like oh, reading, yeah, no, he likes reading. You know, at the table, like there's, yeah. there, there must be similarities there, I guess. In the, you know. But is there? Is there? I'm trying to think of, ex- with the exception of the one time where she has a cup of coffee for like a second. There's almost nothing she does that isn't for him or one of her Johns, right? She's cooking or cleaning or shopping or doing errands. Or right. just watching a baby that she, keeps getting handed to her. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> that apparently needs to take it down. to the neighbors like inane and he's going on and all. That's another funny scene where the yeah, neighbors that, that like talking like... her ear off just from behind the door. And she's just well, going. It, I think that's another way that this movie tests Well, well, well hold on. That... Can, can I sum that up real quick and say, right. I think she spends a lot of time by herself, but none of it is for herself. For herself. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. That's really what it is. And she doesn't really have really? a. You know, and I think it is. I mean, again, I just want to say there's another part in that documentary. I don't know if you're showing any more of it for us, where where Chantal Ackerman says to uh, Delphine Seerig, I don't want any psychologization of the story. So she, I don't think, is interested in in these kinds of uh, analysis readings of, of the woman as per like a, you know, like a test case or anything like that. But it, I think it yeah, does. I think, I think I have that one actually. Um, yeah, I, like she wants to get like, what's the motivation here? Like, what's you know what you know? Right. She wants it being used, and and Chantal is just like, and she's like, her. I don't want to tell you. Yeah, she, it's 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 the literal show don't tell most show don't tell movie of movie yeah, of all yeah, time. Yeah. No, I and that's I actually really appreciate that part of it because again, you know, Phantom Menace it is not <laughs> without constantly telling you how you should feel. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably the first time those two movies have been brought up with the same conversation ever. Um, it was Conan who said that. Well, <laughs> they, it's a classic <laughs> example of telling, not showing, right? I mean, well, it's one and, of the, and the other uh, before I play this clip, um, I feel like throughout the movie, right, it's so silent with her doing all these things that you almost like long to hear a human voice, right? Like the conversations between 
uh, characters, you're almost like, oh, thank God someone's talking, right? Like there's 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 verbal communication going on. Uh, a little not bit, a problem you know? on this show. Everyone's talking all the time. I, I long to hear the human voice of Christina. I think she's on this show, right? <laughs> she, uh, Christina's doing a bit where she's playing John Gilman. Yeah, exactly. she, yeah. she, she's doing her taxes to me, but yeah. Yeah, I'm I really trying to make myself too. a cup of coffee, but I'm, I'm failing. I'm losing my mind. Um, but uh, how's your buttons? We we should have we should have had a bit we should have had a bit where we had Christina peel potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know how I peel potatoes. I can't. Don't let me cook. But um, she, she was peeling them with a knife too. That's dangerous. And going yeah, that, that, you can, That's how my mom does them. Skill cause extreme injury that way. Skill. And she was like yeah. she was like aggressively doing it too. I was like. Girl, you need to like yeah. slow down a little bit. You're gonna. <laughs> well, that's in the that's in the beginning of things starting to go wrong. She yeah. overtook yeah. the potatoes and was trying to make up time. It, that was um, legit stressful. Like I've never been this stressed out watching someone peel pototoes before. Yes. Remember that. What I was trying to say is there's so much silence throughout this. You're almost longing for a uh, human voice. I feel like another way that Chantal Ackerman uh, tests the audience or like pushes yeah. the audience is that every time you talk to characters, it's like an info dump. Like. The, the 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 conversation between characters are like this happened then this happened and this is why I'm doing this and you get so much information in the space of 15 seconds and then it's back to you you don't get anything for yeah. <laughs> 20 well, minutes. Whatever, we um, haven't talked about the letter yet that's a that's a big moment whatever sound and music is used is diegetic so that means everyone within the context of the film everyone could actually hear what's going on it's not like in musicals or where people right. make fun of musicals so why is everyone singing <laughs> Well, and well, it's nice that, that, for the use of the term diegetic, Christina. Nice. Yes. And it's, it's nice when they, finally turn on, when they finally turn on some music on the record player or whatever. And it's like, cool. Like, I, you know, it's vibing out. Yeah. You're like, you're like in the film with them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're all hanging out in, in that. It's an intimate film. You really feel like you're actually in the film. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, thank God, some music. Um, but this is this is uh this is Chantel talking to <laughs> Delphine. I can't wait till Disney buys up the rights and there's a big hologram John Dealman just vibing out. I, I wanna see John Dealman on ice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, feeling those potatoes on the ice rink. <laughs> Roll it. Je te dis, j'aimerais, bon, 
je veux bien faire d'autres gestes pour proposer des choses, mais pas psychologiser l'histoire, tu vois. Non, mais il ne s'agit pas de psychologiser. Non, non mais c'est pour te dire, par exemple, tu me dis, euh, euh, dans les lèvres rouges, tu côté les quatre écluses. Bon, ben, c'est une chose que j'ai faite moi, les quatre écluses, tu vois. Bon, il y avait marqué que je tricotais. Moi, j'ai dit, si je tricotais les quatre écluses. Tu dis les choses, tu vois, euh, je me dis que là, je manque totalement, moi, d'invention, parce que c'est si décrit dans le truc que je dis que... Mais moi, j'aime bien ce que tu fais. Je veux dire, pour moi, c'est vraiment... Bon, tu veux... Non, il n'y a rien qui me semble manqué. Ah bon, et après, je fais quoi Après, tu vas regarder quelle heure il est, tu reviens. Tu t'assieds à la table, tu attends. Je crois que c'est mon sous là. Donc, donc, oui. Alors, tu vois, voilà, c'est ça que je veux voir, tout ce qu'on peut faire en un plan. D'accord, et bien, alors, il faut m'imiter dans moi, ça me... Attends, j'ai un chronomètre. Bon, alors, euh, tu vois, euh, c'est pas tellement du point de vue du chronométrage, c'est du point de vue de l'art. Il me semble que le temps, on l'a vu dans le chronométrico, on l'avait pas d'une façon tout à fait différente qui fait faire en un plan. C'est-à-dire qu'il y a... You know, just before that, that, that part is awesome. Just before that is when they're doing the hair brushing and she sort of is like trying to demonstrate the speed and the tempo. And she gives her that one thing. She says, um, you know, this is sort of like a time for yourself. And she's like, oh, okay, I forget the exact thing she says, but it, un, it clicks something for Sirig that she says, oh, okay, that I understand that. And, and what's amazing about that to yeah. me is that you're seeing, you know, an actor can only act like real things like they can't act these structuralist ideas they can't act these sort of abstract notions they have to have something tangible and real that they can connect to and you're watching delphine Seerig basically teach chantal ackerman how to talk to an actor in order to get the result she's looking for but from the inside of what an actor's palette needs to contain and it's really great because she does seem to respect she's like if you didn't want me to do this you would have written it i don't want to suggest the wrong thing and You know, Chantal doesn't really know how to exactly say, and then they kind of butt heads for a while, and then she does say something. She goes, ah, okay, that's something I can use. And to me, this movie could not have been made the way it was without that, without Sirig finding a way to humanize and ground these, you know, big mm -hmm. ideas that Chantal has about how to make the movie and what she doesn't want and so on. But it, it's just, that that is proof that it's absolutely crucial that, Uh, Sirig was a collaborator on how to embody this woman's life, this inner life that she has to portray. It can't be intellectual. It has to be, I don't know, grounded is the only word I can think of. And yeah, she's I, I fighting to here. find some reason for what she's doing. Uh, What's she's that for? Doing the hair brushing. I think it's here where she's doing the hair brushing. Yeah, and it's like it's like she's like says she's doing it too fast, right? And it's like right. Too fast. And Chantel knows out. what she's looking for, but she doesn't know how to say it in the yeah. terms an actor can use. Yeah, which is I think you need it needs to be more dreamy. It's like dreamy. What does that mean? Right, right. <laughs> but, but the proof is in the pudding. They figured it out. It's because he says, "Oh, you're taking time." She's taking time for herself, and she's like, "That's the thing you're saying." Where she's like, "Oh, okay, cool. I know what that is." Right on. Okay. <laughs> You know, and this is this is something you're really asking. Don't show it the actor, you know. But Sayrig is being generous enough to just say, "Show me what you want me to do, and I'll try right. to understand it." 
Yeah. yeah a, lot, a, lot, a lot of actors and actresses would not do that. No. It's, and, and even when she reads the <laughs> you letters. Know, a 25-year-old director that's like, directed like what, one film before? The, yeah. And But to me, this is why this movie is, again. That she also starred in, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that's well, her, her, her two, her two, uh, the first, the Hotel Monterey one uh, is literally just silent. The entire movie has no, and, has no people, no actors. And yeah. J2LA is, is like her and some other non-actors. But see, yeah. that's to me why this movie is such a masterpiece is because it's not just a, like a Michael Snow experimental movie that she was highly influenced by. It's not just this intellectual structuralist experimental type movie it it has a living beating heart emotion brought by Sarig in her performance at the heart of all of this really amazing structure and, and big ideas and and kind of playing with form so it the two are are mixed in a in such a perfect way that uh that to me that's part of the alchemy of why this is a masterpiece and why they decided to put it on ice <laughs> I mean, if you can do a triple axle while peeling a potato, I will go see that. I mean, well, yeah, look, that sounds great. Tanya <laughs> Harding, are you still available? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, much like Tanya Harding, you know, she's, this is this is a woman with a uh, you know a darker side. Well, so, so and this is. This is a momentous film, as mentioned, for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is this the, the, the depiction of. A woman working in the household on film. That wasn't really a thing. That wasn't a thing you could go to a movie and see. Who and we see did. That? It was just a quick scene. It was this little cliff notes just to set up like, oh, there she yeah. is doing the dishes. And now the scene starts. No, that yeah. is the scene. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the closer. And I here's how it like, reacts to the dude that is in her life. Okay. Well, great. You know, like, I, I yeah. feel like a lot of 50 sitcoms like to set it up with, like, you know, the woman doing the dishes and the guy comes in and, uh, you know, starts a bunch of shit. That's like the closest you can really get. In this movie, it's just those long, uh, un slightly uncomfortable, but, you know, um, uh, ever, ever, I guess, declining as her mental state declines moments of uh, housework. And, and again, there could be a version of this film that has narration that shows that decline that shows as the days goes on that like a certain breaker down it just would be it wouldn't it wouldn't work as well oh, like, yeah, it I, would be I, hacky I could, and of course i could think of that the, person a dozen that ways to this gets, <laughs> and that version that you're describing conan is just has me have um harrison ford's voice from blade runner as <laughs> sure sure see maybe i don't they, i don't know if she knows I don't know how much she knows that she's declining until she finally does and snaps. But like until well, it wouldn't be like I'm in decline right now. It wouldn't be like like a video game. It would it would be like you know it would be like you would the thought process would like again like she's these routines are so important to her right. Well, and let's, like let's talk about yeah. when it actually starts to go down because it it's in between one of her visits with the John right. Yeah. Day, day three. Well, no, it's, day three. Are, you, are we on day three already? No, no, no. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is like when one, it's, it's between one and two. The first thing yeah. that she does wrong is she forgets to put the bowl top back on the bowl when she yeah. leaves that room after the the second day of seeing the John. So you know, it's implied that since we see the end, that she has this orgasm. That you know, she's starting to in some way have a feeling. Uh, in that moment, we don't know exactly what it is. If it's another orgasm or something else, you know, she's starting. Orgasms to... can do that to you if they're powerful. I've heard. I've heard. I mean, I. <laughs> That's a rumor on the street. Orgasm, yeah. The myth. 
Other Which is my, my my first thought after seeing it was uh woman has for, like woman experiences orgasm for the first time you won't believe what happens next like one of those <laughs> things I think I read that on Letterboxd. I don't yeah, know yeah, I think that I did sounds, too that sounds yeah. familiar <laughs> but yeah but, but, but that that first starting to unravel is uh, is I think at that moment and I don't know I guess maybe I, guys all give me your take is like how does that translate you know what is what is she saying to us with that Im, the implication that that's what's knocking her off her her routine it's well, like one, being one the godfather is... i get it <laughs> i get it <laughs> what, what? <laughs> sorry no i didn't hear you i said I, he's like i get it i get it <laughs> Well, um, I think, what? yeah, that's that's probably the, the interpretation that that's opened up to. Because, again, all you have are these micro expressions of, like, even figuring out, like, what her emotional state is of the fact that she lives each day with these routines and these things. There, She never has a timer going, right? It's, it's like everything's so meticulously mapped out that it's almost, like, alarming when, like, one of the, uh, you know, one of the Johns comes in and it goes, it goes later. And, like, that in and of itself is like, oh, crap, something's... Yeah terribly wrong yeah there's that moment where she looks at the clock on the side of the bed where you can't quite exactly make out even on a big screen what time it is but that's her, yeah. her reaction is like oh shit I, I i'm way behind and so the yeah. potatoes burn and so they have to wait longer oh i get you know another question that i don't know if anybody has got an answer to that i still don't after four times seeing the movie know where do they go right she leaves with him at night do they do they do you have any guesses where they go or did you read anything for us about the explains and he says, like, it's we ate so late that we have to go tonight. It, I wonder. Yeah, if I, do, like I don't. I, yeah, I don't know what that. Is. Just go wander late. around in weird back alleys is what it looks like mm-hmm. to me. I don't. I don't understand it. I, well, yeah. I, was, I was thinking about uh, to to the first kind of question in this. I was thinking about like um, like Betty Friedan and the uh, the feminine mystique, which was kind of uh, in America like the female mm-hmm. liberation, uh, the the you know the the seeds that kind of turned into the female like the the women's liberation movement. Um, it's kind of a and Phyllis similar... Schlafly later on attempted to completely deconstruct. Yeah. <laughs> well, so there there was like the idea of like bored housewife, which in this is obviously a response to trauma and a lot of other things too. Yeah. But like bored housewife uh, syndrome, which was kind of you know put forth by Betty Friedan, and um, you know revolves around you know housewives kind of losing their minds because uh, these daunting tasks—they're not living up to their full potential. They're just what? living to please their families, and. Which... Um, was she the one who debated Phil Schlafly and yeah, and she like, yeah, and got over emotional because oh, your husband like, like she 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 and she uh, she said she wanted to burn her at the stake. Yeah, I mean, good for her, but also too, she really was like, <laughs> we can't be touching up. Like she literally also was a bit of a turf, from my understanding, and Probably. she not that talk. Yeah, she was Makes a bit sense. of a turf. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean that term like, obviously didn't exist then, but yeah, yeah, like, basically she also right, wasn't right, a right, board right. housewife. And the story she came up with in the feminine mystique was like a lie. She was already a you know yeah. a woman's liver, as they called it back in the day yeah. uh, when well, she wrote so that book. Well, in the early sixties, as opposed well, to the actual it, movement, like she was. But I, so I was thinking about this this movie though, and that moment almost as liberation, right? Like, uh, like she has the orgasm, but in the same sense, you could you know kind of metaphorically see that as her awakening, and then she turns yeah. around and she kills you know she kills the man, and you can see that as a metaphor itself. Um, for her transcending to this next phase, uh, realizing that this I'm this a strong, phase of... independent woman. <laughs> well, she already was because no, in the letter, they're like, "I know you say you are a strong, independent woman, but 
you know, I think you need a husband. <laughs> yeah, now, the one thing I was thinking about. Sorry. I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny that hypocrites like Phil Schlafly would be like, women belong in the kitchen. Yet I'm like, you and your activists are doing work, though. Like, what the fuck? You're out of the kitchen. Get back in. <laughs> yeah, if that woman was such a bored housewife, how did she know how to write a book about it? Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that this is I, I, it's so interesting if you watch any media appearances that um, they did uh, say again uh, Chantal Ackerman both around this time of course it's to you know dude hosts slash journalists who are almost like not even engaging with the art on itself but just it turns into an opportunity to like okay why would you tell this kind of story right. and then to see that and be like oh right there just wasn't anything like this at all. And I, and I have I have a lot of thoughts as to what uh, how people engage to it um, now versus then. But at the time, again, it would be groundbreaking to see something transgressive about this, uh, like this movie, uh, in a theater and see something depicted literally you have never seen before, but everyone has had in their lives. I mean... Uh, more or less, and, and I say that as someone that I don't think anyone in my life has ever been domestic that way, inclusive. I uh, I saw one, <laughs> but I saw oh one where God, a guy. Oh, sorry, Forrest, go ahead. Oh well, I saw one media appearance where a, a friend or a French TV host tried to um, mansplain the plot of her own movie to her. I, I, exactly uh, right. No, which is astounding, right? Yeah, it sounds like this show. But well, I, 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 oh, <laughs> you see, there's a lot of interviews where she just does not want to have a discussion about any isms at all, structuralism, yeah. feminism. Uh, you know, Marxism, capitalism, even though they're all in there, it, it's she didn't want to be reduced to being a female filmmaker or making a feminist movie. She's a filmmaker. And yes, That's it just so right. happens that she had to break this right. ground. But yeah. what's that? She, she's a good for her. <laughs> well, and that's similar to uh, here. I have the clip of her talking about she's it. Like, but... I just want to make art. I just want to make. Well, art. and she's exactly. honestly, she was right to do it. Cause, cause again, as you mentioned, Matthew and thinking about it, I found out Chantel Ackerman through Jim Jarmusch, who I was like completely obsessed with uh, as a young man and still quite, frankly, quite into and be like, all right, if Jim Jarmusch likes it, Jesus must be, must be freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, sure. And then go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and that's, you know, the the fact that, it, like, it's a double-edged sword. She does spend a lot of time showing us these sort of, you know, mundane, people talk about boring, drudgery. But there is something, like, transcendent after a while. It's like that Zen thing of chop wood, carry water. The more you're able to just be in the moment of whatever task you're doing, you as the audience actually get that kind of, you know, call it whatever you want, transcendental moment. You know, you yes, you're realizing that she's, a in a way, a... a trap but it's also the, the the film itself the spending the time with it itself i think it it, it i don't know it redeems all of that in some beautiful way well it's really you as the audience you know we all just knocked her off her axis because we took the transcendental moments from her and then she's like ah fuck now i'm you know now i'm in decline i'm going down <laughs> so, um, aren't you glad there is a narration of her inner thoughts <laughs> yeah it helps um, who knew that uh, she was deadpool this is this is this is Delphine kind of talking about her theory of uh, feminism, which I guess she had not come out as a feminist. Um, coming out is a weird way to you know say uh, she's I guess a closet feminist. Well, she was. So she was. She was this glamorous actress that uh, hadn't yeah. come out with her activism uh, quite yet, right? Like she was involved right. in projects that had it, but she was not vocally about it. This is kind of her thesis statement. 
uh, on her feminism, I guess. And it, it, it's similar to, you know, what we were just talking about with Chantal. Well, first they're in this hallway and they're taking like, you know. And she's in her 40s, so she's much more interested in talking about it that way.
qui ont fait que, par exemple, la maternité ou la femme du travail euh, sont remis en cause. Alors, une féminité, ce qui est remis en cause, c'est le choix. Euh, aucune femme ne dira qu'elle euh, renie, euh, par exemple, la maternité. Enfin, ou du moins, pour toutes les femmes, elle le renie peut-être pour elle-même, peut-être qu'elle ne veut pas de la maternité pour elle-même. Mais ce que, ce que je crois que ce que les femmes veulent, c'est avoir le choix de pouvoir euh, euh, être mère ou non pas mère, de pouvoir euh, faire ce qu'elles ont envie de faire, d'avoir un choix. Alors jusqu'à maintenant, il y a la moitié de l'humanité dont le destin était déjà euh, préfabriqué à la naissance. Et je trouve que cette moitié de l'humanité, c'est les femmes, parce que les hommes ont toujours eu euh, une possibilité. Well, and that's, and first of all, if you don't speak French and you're listening to the podcast, I'm very sorry. <laughs> but it was a very interesting conversation. Uh, and also, you got to yeah, remember. Should, yeah, we recommend that you watch the, when it's an international movie, you know, yeah, like a, a movie from a different country. Out. It's not. <laughs> Figure it out. Uh, she was still flying pretty high from her role in Day of the Jackal. Right, which Day of the Jackal, she's great in Day of the Jackal, and that's that was a huge movie. Uh, she was nominated, I don't believe she won, but she was nominated for a BAFTA for it. She had a pretty large platform. And again, you got to remember, this is like uh, the dawn of the women's lib, lib movement, so it was like it was considered like, oh, you're making it political, you know, <laughs> like it, it was, it was like, oh, yeah, by asking for basic rights, huh? That's political, all right. Why is still, it, away it, it still is that, right? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, not that we've advanced that much, but uh, yeah, like it, like literally putting your career, which was again, as after Jan Jackal, especially, like was on this star trajectory that, oh, she could, you know, she could do these huge films and, like, be, like, a real contender for, like, best actress and, and one of like, the best of her age. And what she do? She checks up with Chantal Ackerman and, and and does this movie. You know, amazing. Like, what a what a bold choice. And, well, and like, it, what I, a... I, I mentioned it earlier. So that's that same year, I think she also did um, Marguerite Duras's uh, India song, which is in some ways actually right. an even weirder movie it has no dialogue basically it's all right. voiceover so she was taking chances you tra you know basically trading in on like what you're saying the clout that she was and spending it doing she could have just made bigger and bigger movies but she was spending it on Absolutely. these interesting artists and particularly female artists to uh you know actually use it for good as opposed to just her own personal uh you know clout but she also you know her first movie that i was aware of was uh Last year in Marion Bad. So she started out in weird movies too. Yeah. I mean, she's in, she's in like that Jacques Demi movie, Donkey Skin, which is legit bonkers, but I completely love it. <laughs> is, is, that it's like, is that before this? It's before this. And it's, um, yeah, lot lot to be said about that, but we're not talking about Donkey Skin. I'll uh, come back for that one if you want. Deep, deeply well, entertaining movie. That also, it's like a period fantasy piece that features a helicopter at the end because why not? Okay, sure. Uh, but like, she's, But no, she's in uh, the Secret Charm of the Bourgeoisie, right? Like she's, she's uh, like again, takes these bold swings yeah. over and well, over again. She, she's like uh, the Tom Cruise of art movies. She always wants to work with a hot director. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, she uh, so she released in 1981 a movie that I mean it has a French title, but it translates to English: uh, "Be Pretty and Shut Up." And she found 24 actresses, which included uh, Jane Fonda. And Chantal Ackerman as well, and she, you know, interviewed them on the price of kind of men's expectations and um, not being allowed to express themselves politically and all of that. And she turned that into like her own her own directorial, uh, you know, uh, statement, I guess. 
I think she also tried to adapt the the Valerie Solanas tract into a movie, if I'm not mistaken. I've never seen it, but she's she was uh, she was pushing boundaries in in a good way. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, busy. (laughs) Good for her. (laughs) Yeah, but that's why. And but see, that's the thing is uh, Chantal Ackerman was not necessarily interested in putting all this forward in that way. But again, that's why Delphine Sirig was the perfect person to be at the center of this because she had a, a, a sympathy for the point of view she was trying to portray yeah. and maybe even had a greater, you know, she was 20 years older than her. She had a, a, a more grounded experience with the material too. And uh, I, I think the clips of, uh, you know, uh, Chantal kind of coaching her through stuff and like trying to connect to her. Um, you really realize like in those clips, like, Oh, this is like a 25 year old. This kind of just like continually telling a 40 year old, uh, you know, star like, uh, Oh, I, I don't need anything more from you. You're doing fine. And she's like, I, I need to know like why I'm doing this. And she's like, no, no, you don't just, I, I, I know why you're doing this. Like, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be okay. Like just, you know, do, do these actions. Like <laughs> she was learning, but you know, then again, Orson Welles was 25 when he made citizen Kane. And, you know, I guess that fact is brought up a few times, but, uh, hmm. For different reasons, and, but it's and- more likely to be brought up for a male director, always. You know, it, it, it's 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 just again. Uh, I like that. If nothing else, um, uh, it sight and sound is you know this bringing this film to so many people's attention. Most people have never heard of Chantel Ackerman, like unless you're like the a film nerd beyond film nerds, right? And Again, she's making this like wildly transgressive stuff in her twenties. You know, I'm not saying I was doing nothing in my twenties. I wasn't making nothing like this, though. I'll tell you that mm-hmm. much. <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not. And, I was yeah, that is the best one. <laughs> I mean, thank God, maybe Chantal Ackerman would be just doing a podcast if he was. She was born, uh, you know, 30, 40 years later. This is my. This is my podcast. Um, it is just someone peeling potatoes and. Uh, <laughs> She came up with ASMR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd be amazed how much money you can make off of Twitch just doing that. I mean, I don't know if she could make the longest TikTok possible. I don't know if that's uh, really a thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm glad you, that you bring that up, uh, Conan, about the, the poll. You know, it got a lot of hoopla amongst a certain group. Yeah. But most people don't even know what that poll is, right? So it's a it's a subset amongst a subset. And, you know, it got it got all this sort of backlash of, uh, you know, guys like you mentioned, Paul Schrader, calling it this woke reappraisal that suddenly this suddenly a woman had to be had to win at the top. And I think that's bullshit, because, first of all, the the only thing that we know for sure about that poll is that they increased the number of people that they included in it. So they cast a wider net. And maybe you could say they rigged it by, oh, I'm going to get more women or more minorities yeah. or more something like this. But I, that's hard to prove. We rigged the election by more people voting. Yeah, right, exactly. we, we rigged it by making it more actually reflective <laughs> of what familiar? people like. Wow, that's a weird way to rig it. So it's sort of, I keep saying they unrigged it. They took their thumb off the scale by widening yeah. it. But also, and this is the thing that people don't really think about, is what I mentioned before. This movie was unseeable in a wide range, where Citizen Kane... Right. Ever since every home movie format existed, it was out. Vertigo. It's like one of the first ones that they go for. Even oh, it's just a cane on there. Yeah. Tokyo Story. Yeah, all these yeah. other ones that are up there all the time had been out and, and made the rounds more. And also were easier to watch, obviously, after three hours. But since the DVD has been out and the Blu-ray has been out, more people wound up actually seeing it and having their caps peeled, if you will. And therefore, <laughs> it's on there. But if you go look at a lot of the individual lists, some of the same people put... Chantal Ackerman's movie and Vertigo. And, you know, it wasn't like yeah. 
suddenly there were these woke lists that were so throwing it off. So uh, to me, it's um, you made movies uh, woke. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> by letting so, women direct. So them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I have. If we want to talk about the poll, I had more objections to more newer films making it on there already, like Get Out, which I liked, but I was like, really, it's one of the top one hundred of all time. Or I'm trying to think of what else was on there. I put it in you know? there. There, there were a couple newer ones that I thought, like, did that really? Is that really better than what it knocked out? You know, but uh, certainly John Dillman was on the list before, just not so high up. Well, you're a powerful advocate for uh, older, not obscurist, but uh, obscure cinema. Yeah. So, and, and there's, and, and again, there's, there's absolutely, absolutely needs to be more people that are that are doing that. And there's certainly recency bias in any kind of poll, but I, I have a theory too that I think it's kind of telling that this film is the one that ended up winning because I think that the modern age of lockdown and like just the maddening routine of everyday life uh, in it is something that like it, it's probably seemed rather alien to like film goers in the seventies, but it's incredibly relatable now. So like, I think that, that <laughs> that's something that um, factored in as well. When, when you're thinking about like, well, what's some other stuff that like could be, because if I was voting a poll like that I'm, I'm always gonna i'm gonna pick one or two kind of weird ones like oh, i'm gonna throw this one in here that that's like you know this it should be her right it's a, a movie that more people should see or something you know like i'm i'm not just gonna do uh, all the Vern movies <laughs> i think that's funny. are there more than one i feel like there's probably a lot of them right i don't know the answer to that question Chantal ackerman uh you know as john dealman was the original self-lockdown Right, right. Well, precisely. And so I think that that makes a difference too with how people connect to art and engage with art. And, and I, actually, she, was, she, she goes out an awful lot. It's, I forgot how much she's actually out of the house. Yes, she's running errands and doing menial stuff, but she's not in the house that much. But she's still socially distant with a lot of it. And so that's where I think Ackerman is, was the very brilliant. Yeah, sure. Uh, in in her way of not wanting to be tied to like these modernist at the time movements of, of like you know of be not just feminism but like women's lib specifically and things like that, like and not because she didn't believe in those but because she didn't want to be grounded in that time and that's actually brilliant because that allows people to engage with this incredibly transgressive work of art uh, in a different way way down the line with with circumstances you cannot possibly imagine. Chantal Ackerman herself, of course, took her own life. Uh, you know, not that long ago, could not have imagined people like reacting to it because of a worldwide quarantine, right? Could not have imagined that. And she's on record as hating lists. She's like, I don't like talking about this stuff. Like, <laughs> like, why do we have to yeah. bother with ranking? Like, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Which you know, you got to give her credit for. Yeah, yeah. Having that, but the one integrity. thing though, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the one uh, idea though that that kind of really fascinates me is even though this is uh, timeless. It, it kind of speaks very much to that time of the 70s where like it is kind of like the first generation after World War II, like like it's completely mm -hmm. kind of grown up. Um, yeah. And uh, which was Chantal's generation, too, right? Like, yeah. She's 25 yeah. at the she, time. Of she's the... sweet spot baby boomers, 1950. So she really is. Yeah. And, and like, like, uh, you know, um, this is this is about that alienation of the 70s that that uh, came out of, you know, the the. Um, uh, the proto neoliberalization of of the world that that kind of began uh, and uh, you know went fr from that uh, uh, you know after World War II as as we kind of rebuilt into this image of capitalism yeah. and, and uh, this film is like it's it's not directly commenting on any of that but it is also a reaction to all of that it, it is it is a it's a film about that alienation that is found within the capitalist realism. 
that, that Mark Fisher identified, you know, many, many years later. Um, but it's doing it in a way where it's showing you and not telling you. So as opposed to Mark Fisher talking about the Matrix movies, this is about, you know, peeling potatoes. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of it's kind of fascinating that it's the uh, BFI sight and sound poll too, right? Like, it's uh, British people that are kind of voting oh. in, in this poll. And well, no, that's, was, you know, that's who started it. But the British, that's, the, yeah, that's the British Film is. Institute who started the poll. But it's that's the idea is it's been widened to be more yeah. than just British people. Yeah, but AKA I, rigged. It was like, rigged by letting people vote in it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, but, no, but what, what I'm saying is like I I think the European. Uh, you know, reaction to this movie is definitely different than the American reaction to this movie. Um, and in Belgium, this movie didn't really take off, but like, it was like a huge hit in the rest of Europe. So it's kind of uh, fascinating that I think it's a very time and place kind of thing, right? Like, um, who responds to this movie uh, viscerally and who doesn't? I don't know if it was ever a box office smash nearly anywhere. I mean, it's, it's no, not box office. It um, it became a, like a huge cult classic, though. It became a huge like cult movie in sure, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I not mean, not at first. It took like a it took like a you know a stretch of time for that to happen. I mean, it was popular enough that I saw it two or three times in New York City, at least from the late '90s to the mid 2000s. So it, it yeah, it got its reputation uh, for sure. Yeah. You know, she made it the same year. She also made um, another one called News from Home. You guys know News that from Home was great. Yeah, it, that's it's incredible. It, it it's more of a documentary, but it's. It's with the letters of that she wrote to her mother, so it's very much like a, in a way, like a companion piece to this. But it's more, um, it's more of a documentary, really. Well, and there's a strong, uh, and by the way, Paul Schrader, uh, four years older than Chantal Ackerman, by the way, just for, for just my own personal opinion. Yeah, like, if someone like if someone like uh, Paul Schrader is like, oh, that's woke nonsense. That's just like jealousy that his movies didn't get picked yeah. for the site sample. Like I mean, he said, "I love, I love this movie, but it's not the greatest movie of all time." But you know, he, he, yeah. he, he, he had a nuanced take on it, but it was pretty boomer energy, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was boomer energy, and you know, the same summer she was making this, he was they were making Taxi Driver, so go figure, yeah. you know, what they were into it at that same yeah. time. Which um, I think is also about the same kind of alienation that this movie touches on, but you know, uh, a different uh, perspective. Yeah, and dealing with the trauma of the Vietnam War for him, as opposed to World War II for her. But uh, you know, you said also these sort of cultural touchstones and things that are there. It that's it speaks to just how um, you know soberly she was presenting this experience that it couldn't help but contain all of these other implicating factors that, like you said, she wasn't necessarily meaning to include them as a polemical kind of thing, but they were all right there because she was being so honest about the reality that she was portraying. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's, it's manages two things. It managed to be emblematic of the times, but relatively timeless in a way because it's an artistic statement, which is good art. Yeah. Like we may go like show shines. Okay. But we still get like, Oh yeah. OCD <laughs> is still a thing, you know, routines, yeah. crushing routines. And yeah, by the way, gotta this, those potatoes. still got to peel the potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, this sets up uh, this. All roads this go back to potatoes. This Criterion uh, clip where they interview her sitting on top of uh, one of these hills and uh, she's talking about the potato peeling and her mother and uh, the, the invocation of her mother throughout this film. Oh, cool. All right. Je suis née à Bruxelles en 1950. Mes parents avaient immigré de Pologne. Et 
c'était la moitié du siècle et c'est aussi, aussi que, cinq, que cinq ans après la guerre 40-45. Et du côté de ma mère, euh, il y en a peu qui ont survécu. Et ma mère elle-même a survécu. Sinon, je ne serais pas là, mais... Elle a survécu d'une manière bizarre, je pense, maintenant. Beaucoup de choses de ce que j'ai fait sont, je crois, liées à ce qui lui est arrivé. Elle n'en a jamais parlé. J'ai écrit un moment que je parlais pour elle. Et puis, parfois, je me suis dit que je parlais contre elle. Mmh, nice. Je ne sais pas si lui envoyer un film comme Jean Gilman euh, au visage était euh, si généreux que ça. Parce qu'en fait, c'est vrai qu'elle s'y est reconnue, ainsi que toutes mes tantes, ainsi que plein de gens de cette génération-là, de plein de gens de ce milieu-là, de, des femmes. Et c'est un monde de l'enfermement, de la répétition, de on veut savoir ce qu'on fait à midi, on veut savoir ce qu'on fait à midi 5, on veut savoir ce qu'on fera une heure, on veut savoir ce qu'on fera la semaine prochaine. Et finalement, je ne sais pas comment... Je sais qu'elle l'a compris, je ne sais pas comment elle l'a senti. Parce que c'était aussi, sans doute, envoyer au visage des femmes de cette génération-là, venant de ce monde-là, une sorte de miroir qui n'était pas forcément quelque chose qui leur faisait plaisir. Je viens d'apprendre, je ne l'ai jamais su, mais quelqu'un m'a dit la semaine dernière, alors qu'elle ne me l'avait jamais dit, que ma mère a pris des cours de piano en, en sortant des camps. Et puis voilà, moi, sa fille, j'arrive et je fais Jeanne Dillman. Et je montre en fait quelque chose que je ressens d'elle et de ses tantes. Et quelque chose qui ne laisse aucune place à ses cours de piano. Et aucune place à autre chose d'ailleurs que la répétition 
le côté obsédé, euh, l'enfermement, les couloirs, les cuisines. Le premier film que j'ai fait, par exemple, Saut de ma ville, était un monde était se passer quasiment tout dans une cuisine, mais c'était la destruction du monde. Euh, D'ailleurs, ça s'appelait euh, « Saute ma ville », mais c'était aussi « Saute ma vie ». Et, et euh, c'était, au fond, la destruction de ce monde que ma mère, mes tantes, ses tantes à elle, m'avaient montré. Chaplin-esque. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I feel yeah, like she almost did invent ASMR. Like, <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, it's very soothing in its way, yeah. Yeah, I decided to go out to the mountains where she was. Yeah, I was so. going to say. Apparently, <laughs> Andy gets the water from there, yeah. <laughs> now, Conan, you mentioned that you didn't have any domestic-type people in, in your family. But to be honest, this... I, I don't know if it's the Jewish aspect of it from her or what, but there's so much of this is very reminiscent of, especially my grandparents who are her, you know, they didn't, they, they were already over here during World War II. So it wasn't mm -hmm. exactly that trauma, but, you know, there's plenty of trauma in the back of these Jewish people's minds for many years of the reason sure. why they left. But the obsession with, uh, like she says, schedule, what are we doing here? Yeah. We're planning dinner every day of the week. You know, things like always turn the light off to this day. Like I'm extremely yes. like turn the light off when you leave the room, turn it back on when you go in. Like these are things that I resent, but children. then somehow I absorbed. What, what Andy? Dep depression era children really kind of get my, my uh, grandparents are from the depression and yeah. my grandmother, um, you know, she, she, she's, uh, you know, still to this day saves every little thing uh, like ridiculously the like, silver uh, foil the, the aluminum foil she has folded in the drawer that was another little like thing like not off the roll like all right we can use that yeah, again nope. my, my grandmother would do the same thing and she has and she has so many little camera um you know uh, canisters yeah, film canisters We're, we can yeah, use those for something yeah. of course we could put something put pins in there to be explicitly clear no shortage of trauma just not just not a lot of yeah, no, uh, they, order. they subsumed it in a different way no i get it yeah. yeah and a lot of that was an overreaction to their parents uh respectively who were more of the type of uh personality that you guys are discussing there but again yeah. it's something that i can recognize even yeah. if it's something i didn't live through and still continue to not live through of that yeah. like yeah the banality especially of if you think about the the patriarchy right their traditional patriarchy and the fact that uh, you know what those those darn women livers were uh, were fighting against that like that was what life as a woman was and it was not depicted in films if it was only to advance the plot of the male characters and to just like to, oh there they are doing the thing that they do which is be in the kitchen yeah. serving yeah. the family oh women be cooking and they women be shopping. be cooking no, if she's not if she's not in the scene she be shopping if she's not be shopping Conan, your mother did take gentlemen callers in for money. I know. I know. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I didn't have uh, that going on. I had a lot of sus stuff going on, but none of that. There's an entry also, for everybody. Just, uh, 
the the trauma <laughs> of the of the camps, right? Like uh, being put in a, a like if, if you think about this as a corollary to Chantal's own mother's story and her uh, being taken to the camps, and I, I can't imagine what it's like to be in a in a fucking concentration camp, lose your family, and then have to go back to just kind of you know life again. Like I it, that that aspect of this movie too, like. The, the trauma she's masking is something uh, more horrific than really anything that uh, we've lived through as a, you know, like our, our, you know, generations have lived through like since then. What's well, funny you say that. And it's funny also that you brought up the, um, the, the, the lockdown Conan, because during the lockdown, I read man's search for meaning. Do you know that book? The Victor Frankl's yeah. uh, uh, account of how he survived the concentration camps. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, there is this thing about like you sometimes can't control your circumstances, but what you can control is your reaction to them. And I think there's something about that in this movie too. You know, she, this is her figuring out like, okay, she stabs the guy, but it's her first thing that she does to actually have her own reaction to this as opposed to what she's supposed to do. Yeah, which is kind of if you're not prepared for it, a little jarring. Like oh, after huge jarring, right? Photos the whole the whole audience went whoa, like yeah, yeah. everybody. There was like an audible gasp from everyone that because yeah. I I guess most people that were watching didn't know how the movie necessarily was going to end. Uh, I'd assume, and most people like, only know uh, that it's long, and they know that like yeah. it's a woman in the kitchen doing stuff, and that that's all they know of it. But it, it, the people were it, locked in at least enough for that one to be, you know, what what it is. And, you know, I've heard people criticize it as like, oh, suddenly it's so dramatic. It's like too pulpy all of a sudden. But that's I women for you. Always, I, always being too, <laughs> yeah. too dramatic. If they're not cooking, they're stabbing, you know. No, but <laughs> but, I, but I, if there's been a buildup to that. it. There has, there has been a buildup to it the entire film. It's just that it's it's a, it's the slowest of slow boils. And, and, and again, this, watching it through this time, knowing the end is coming, when you see her trying to open the package like we haven't even talked about like she's checking the mail all the time that her yeah. her, her sister is sending her this package when she, she first she tries to undo the knot and yeah. she can't undo it enough in a way to keep the string that's another one of these things Andy, right? <laughs> you gotta keep that string exactly. like she's just gonna try to undo that right <laughs> but she goes and gets the scissors and they just so happen to be there in that moment so it's all these these kind of confluences of things almost almost fate that makes her do that in that exact moment. Yeah, anytime we have Christmas with Grandma, she she always has to save the bows so so she can put them on the presents the next year. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and even just folding the folding the pajamas and putting them under the pillow. Did you guys ever do that? That was my grandparents' thing too, and mm -hmm. my dad tried to pass that on to me, and I just didn't take with it. I just ran around the house naked like a feral wolf child. Uh, from the comments, yeah. Criterion Collection, as opposed to wokeism, is really what showed up in the polls this time. Their yeah. brand cachet can really push films into the wire conversation. Uh, I agree. I agree. That's uh, just the availability of this movie makes, uh, you know, I don't know if it's Criterion per se, but just the availability of the movie uh, to a wider audience. And then just saying, like, holy shit, this is a masterpiece. Well, uh, look at something like Come and See. Right, uh, the which I, I feel like I referenced quite a bit on the show, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wait, can we do the episode? Yeah, <laughs> you're talking yeah, about a totally different movie. But that's yeah, on the uh, that's yeah. on the list too, isn't it? Did that make the list? It, it is? Yeah, the Elon Cleaf movie, which it was him and um, who and and him and uh, I, the Ascent. Uh, well, what's her name? Uh, yeah, his his uh, wife. Yeah, yeah. Like they both made these like incredible. Laura, Laura Shapitko. Shapitko. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. 
Uh, yeah, Shemenko, yeah, and 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 they both made these incredibly like you know just groundbreaking films about uh, the the horror and cost of of war and things along those lines that people just literally had never seen. So they were never in a conversation because you couldn't see them, especially because like during like communism. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, let's go show some communist mo communist movies about how war is bad. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah, that explains <laughs> other ones on the list. People got mad about too. Killer of Sheep that was never available. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Wanda, that was another one that was never available. Um, you know, these are movies. I had to go see Killer of Sheep at the Star Bar on Second Avenue on the on in the back of a pool room while on a hung on a sheet off a 16 millimeter print. Nice wow. to actually get to see it. And I didn't you couldn't even really see it. It was very, you know, but I, I thought for a second you're gonna say you had to see it on the bus with a guy playing it as iPhone without any speakers in. His trench coat was open. That's over here. Yeah. I remember um, I remember like uh you know when they first had movies that you could watch on your cell phone. I had like a little flip phone and I'm like okay I don't know how this is gonna work but I'm gonna have to do this and that's how I watched uh Animal House <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Quentin Tarantino is getting really mad for no reason right now, by the way. He's like, ah, why am I so mad? <laughs> um also uh you know Criterion has it, but um I don't phone. I don't know what's the most Andy sentence I've ever heard. He watched Animal House on his flip phone, everybody. I just want I want Wow man, it's like the universe. <laughs> <laughs> The brand is strong. Go ahead, for us. Sorry. Um, no, no, I don't know. I don't know what their relationship is uh, fully because, um, they, you know, there, there, there was a merger at one point, I think. But um, uh, HBO Max has a lot of stuff Criterion Channel has uh, on their thing. So they also have Chantal Ackerman's like uh, like a, a bunch of her movies as like a collection on HBO Max as well. Yeah, they don't have um, Batgirl, but they got Chantal Ackerman. <laughs> that speaks well of them. I'm actually marching my way through her body of work slowly. And I can also say that the one right back after. Girl. This, what's that? <laughs> You're working to, I said Batgirl. You're working through her. Material. Yeah, I will. I will watch Batgirl <laughs> once I've seen every Chantal Ackerman movie. I promise you, Andy. But the one that's right after this, which is sort of about her experience going from film festival to film festival with this movie is actually also really, really good called The Rendezvous of Anna. So if you're. If oh, you, yeah. 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 I've bug. actually. I think I have that in my Criterion Challenge this year. I might have two Ackermans in there. That one's, it's almost as good. It's, it's, a, it's a little less taxing. I think it's only like two hours, but it's, uh, it's clearly the work by the same person. And it's also very personal in that it's now like about a girl, a, a girl, a woman who's being treated the way she's been treated as a yeah. filmmaker. Yeah, the meetings of Anna, Le Rendezvous to Anna. Again, I took German, just like Christina. Uh, and I do indeed have it in my watch list, and I have it in my Criterion Challenge. That's one I have not seen. I haven't seen that, that one. It's just like her and her mom talking to. It was like somewhat recent. She's got a bunch of stuff. I seen well, that. you know, that's I'm waiting to get to that one. It's, again, sad that, that she made this one of her last big movies was about was called No Home Movie. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, that's exactly the one I'm talking it's about. like an yeah. interview with her mother. And then, yeah, so I'm I'm working my way up to that one. Well, it's, actually, an interview with her, it's an interview with her mother knowing that her mother is dying, I think. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, if you're looking for, you know, another one of another one of the isms that she didn't want to get bogged down in was like Jewish filmmaker because she, you know, she played a lot of films at 2015 film festivals and stuff and you know that the jewish experience in europe was part of her her life story but she never wanted to like cater to it directly but in one one movie she did which is also pretty awesome is again semi documentary called i think it's just called tell me 
or Dimoi. Mm -hmm. And it's it just interviews with people like her aunts, other survivors and people just telling their stories in sort of like a single camera. And occasionally it cuts to her just sort of like placidly listening. It's it's actually a very fascinating hmm. uh, short film. It's not it's not a, it's not exactly a full feature. But and by uh, short film, you mean like 45 hours. Exactly. Shorter, <laughs> shorter, shorter than this one. I don't yeah, actually yeah. know that she made any other movies that were quite this long, but um, I'm going to find out. She made. I watched. Uh, I watched J2 L E or whatever. Uh, I can't. Yeah, that was awesome. Not, uh, yeah, J2 L. Uh, like I, I watched that on uh, Friday. That's my favorite Star we... Wars character. <laughs> <laughs> it's the least racist of the Lucas ones. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there, there, people have like seen like the Jack Black and Lizzo on the Mandalorian. They're like, and people are like, George Lucas is rolling in his grave. And I'm like, if you were a real Star Wars fan, you would know that George Lucas is still alive. He's he's still alive, and, and considering still some of the heroes, and and considering some of the atrocities that were presented in those prequels, is the least you're concerned, friend. <laughs> he, he's he's ro he's rolling in his vault. That's where he's rolling. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's pulling in Uncle Scrooge right now. So I watched. So I watched uh, J Two L Lee. Uh, it, it's I, it's less experimental somehow um, than oh, this yeah. one was for sure. Uh, uh, I don't know if I agree with that assessment. Well, it, it it's it's uh -oh. got a lot less um, narrative. Like it's she like right. She's in a house, then she gets on a truck, and then she goes to a diner, and then she it's very out. experimental. But my point is that this. I don't know. I, I just feel like there's something. Uh, I, mean, I think an uninterrupted, like what, 15 minute sex scene is, you know, that's, yeah, it's pretty experimental. I, I'd, I'd say the opposite <laughs> is true, but you know, interesting take. I, I don't know. I just feel like this this movie's lack of, like, at least in that movie, you kind of had her reading the letters and you kind of understood what was going on and that had like a. Um, I mean, I, I I did like that it was kind of a concentric circle, the entire plot of that movie. Like, she starts and ends leaving. Like, so I, I liked that yeah. aspect of it. But I, well, I don't you, know. I you, felt probably, like... you probably watched that one from start to end uninterrupted, right? <laughs> it's it's Too shorter. Too soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Damn, savage. <laughs> totally savage. Well, no, I mean, it does impact your ability to understand what's happening. But, you know. It, well, I, I watched I watched this one uh, again last night. Like I watched, you know. Did you pick up? I'm I'm so curious about this experiment you ran on yourself. Matthew like, can't wait to see your report on his desk so we can. Did you? Yeah. You can judge no, it. I already I already gave your video essay a B plus, so uh, that's fine. But <laughs> what's the um? What, what did you? What you got an A minus? Not for the hand job. No, I'm trying but... to ask him a question. What, I know. Did no, you, I mean, did you, did you pick up jobs. anything that as you were? Yeah. Besides the hand job in J2 LA. Did you notice anything in the video that you rewatched that when you were like, oh, you know, like it clicked something that you didn't get when you were watching it in pieces? What do you mean? When Which... you saw Jean Dillman, when you went back and watched Jean Dillman, is that what you said? Is there did? something you got out of it that you didn't get with the theater yeah. experience? Did anything yeah. that you saw? Because you missed the whole meatloaf making scene. Like I was really like, oh, he's got to see the meatloaf scene. And that was like right at the moment you left. So that to yeah. me is one of the like key moments of things yeah, it's like rocky horror part. picture show the the meatloaf scene is is the one <laughs> I, I actually told the people sitting behind Jeez. me that i'm gonna throw meatloaf at the scene at the screen <laughs> well he now knows that. how to make meatloaf so he's got that going for him right i mean i i that. felt like i felt like the first uh 15 minutes seeing it the second time was uh it it 
really put you into the routine part of it. And I was kind of disappointed that I had missed that aspect of it because there isn't really much going on in the sense of like, uh, you know, like, like stuff that I feel like, oh, well, I didn't see this the next day, you know, watching it or I didn't see this. But it, it, it you know, the routine part of it, because um, I kind of threw myself into it. I mean, you know, I, I jumped on the subway and was waiting for a fucking trying to figure out where the thing was at Grand Central. Anyway, um, fucking, got MTA, down to, fucking MTA. So I got down to uh, Queens finally, and then I had to walk the half mile or whatever and was hating my life and fucking kind of having a panic attack. And uh, so I just threw myself into the middle of her talking to her son. That's where I came into the movie. All, all yeah. of that to say that. But um, yeah. immediately uh, like, this kid sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but yeah, not to not to shame you for your uh, transit issues as that can happen to anybody, but it's important, I think, to know this movie is built on repetition, right? So if you're yeah. missing the first attempt at it, it's repetition doesn't mean anything the second time you see it through, and then maybe by the third you, you pick it up. I, this is why I'm curious how it how it worked to you once you went back and saw it. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of. Um... It was a weird feeling of like almost familiarity. Like I didn't, it's not like I saw anything new within that 15 minutes. And I've watched a bunch of clips and like, you know, of, of the making of and all that stuff too. So it's not like I felt like I was seeing anything new for the first time, but it hammered home the um, repetition, like inherently involved in it, uh, which, you know, is the, it, it is the foundation that the rest of the movie is built on, which then has to crumble for the movie to work. So um, I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get that, uh, you know, that, that in. Like, I kind of felt like I came in at a more frantic moment, I guess. Uh, but I just think the point is that, you know, what, what her, her, her great accomplishment here is not just like, oh, she's making people stare at a screen for three minutes straight with nothing happening. You know, she's building these blocks that yeah. you know, then pay off once you've gone around it a couple of times. You know, and that is, to me, comparing that to Citizen Kane, it, make, it makes Citizen Kane look like, a TV episode, you know, it's like very conventional compared to that to say, I'm going to do this with an audience to make the meaning as opposed to three act structure, normal plot points, this kind of thing. Uh, that, that is to me what sets this movie apart and makes it so good. Um, I also think it's interesting watching that interview with her talking about her mother and uh, for her to be like, oh, well, you know, people who, um, People who, uh, you know, in Europe of that generation, right? Like they know what they're going to do at 12 and then they have it scheduled for 12.05. And then they, so it's not even just that she's breaking because I think about schedules in terms of hours, right? Like uh, if I'm doing something I'm like, oh, well, I do this at 12 and then I have this at one. I never really think about it in terms of minutes. And for her to kind of break it down in terms of minutes, like, well, someone has to be doing something at 12. Someone has to be doing something at 12.05. Someone has to be doing something, you know, at, at 1, one fifteen. You know what I mean? Like, whatever those minutes uh, breakdowns are, you really realize how um, how much time needs to get filled and how much people have to uh, come up with things to fill it. And how tightly she's gripped to every little thing. You know, the fact that she can boil the potatoes, go fuck the guy and come back and they're perfectly ready most of the time. <laughs> that's, you know. That's All right, let's, let's, let, let's get this happening. I have 14 minutes, and then I got to go check out some potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Set your clock to his refractory period. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to come why, Which is why the, the sequel is, uh, you know, her fighting Sling Blade, and he's trying to, you know, get her to try French fried potatoes. And she's like, no, I want you to try this fucking, this, this roast. And, you know, one of them has to win out in the end. She even couldn't have. She even said that's another funny line. She's like, I guess I could have made mashed potatoes, but we're having that tomorrow. 
You know, like right. she can't even depart from the menu that she's planned. Exactly. That, that adds, well, but then you have the other woman that clearly doesn't have a schedule the same way that comes in and is like, I did not know what to eat. So I went to the, the butcher and I was standing in line and then I wanted to know what the next person in front of me. And I just ordered whatever she ordered, but I did not like it. Like you have that. And uh, she gets veal and she's like, yeah, we don't even like veal. That, that's yeah. the terminus of that story. And she has, to, she has to remember where like, she wanted the veal. Her kids crying. She has to remember which her, which exactly. neighbor she let their kids. Uh, you know, a whole different <laughs> you know, movie that, going on down down the road. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that also kind of resonates with the theme of like the the women who don't really know who they are without you know serving the family. She, this woman doesn't even know what to order at the butcher. She's she's grappling for you know, to make meaning out of her butcher order too. This woman is clueless. Um, but actually, but I also, already told you, Forrest, that I think my uh, my pitch for the sequel is better. It's the trial of John Dealman, where we pick up. She's been arrested, and we have to have on the stand all the people that we've seen throughout the first movie, telling like, you know, well, how was she when you saw her? Well, her hair was messed up, and like her son has to testify, and he's a hostile witness. Her button was unbuttoned, and I said, yeah. fix it. I came back later. The button was still undone. Yeah, this is every, madness, I tell you. Scene, every seamstress <laughs> in town testifies to when she was there and all this. I think that would be I think that would be great if somebody wants to take that. Gripping courtroom drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanna you, you have like Ice Cube get involved as like the prosecutor, like a uh, law and order SVU style. <laughs> ice tea. Or ice tea, uh, yeah. Ice don't tea. insult don't you, the somebody, ice Americans. Someone with someone with ice. I don't know. <laughs> this movie's on ice, right? Look, all I know is it's got to be someone with ice in the name. Don't care yeah. which one. Yeah. It's only a couple. Get of me one of the ice. Get ice. Get me one of the ices. Stat. Get vanilla ice. Are you available? <laughs> I would qualify for that demand. Yeah. Be like, Wait, not you. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do we want to do the letterbox one liners here? Yeah, we can. Okay. We can do that in, in a second. Good. Yeah. Good, well, good. Before you go, before you go into that, I just want to offer that Conan. I thought we were going to get in the ring about your suggestion that the movie could have been shorter. Did you want to let that lie, or? I mean, I think I said what I need to say, which is that I think the movie could have been shorter. <laughs> it's, it's, but I, I think also that uh, for the time period that came out, the length being what it is absolutely is the point because to see something like this you had to go to a place you had to go to a movie theater to see it where you sit down with an audience and in order for you to <laughs> dip out of it you literally have to like leave the building which is considered gauche as Forrest just did literally well, right now well, uh, plenty of people left the screen than we were at that's for sure uh, so it makes sense at the time I think that this i think you can get what you need to do to get that lived experience and fire up the empathy machine for jean dillman and then what she's going through and you could do it like you could easily cut an hour from it absolutely 100 percent uh but that said it's a different experience so it's it, it's it's not the art that she wanted to present yeah so uh, i'm curious what you meant you said that in your review by empathy machine what i tell me more about well because the idea is you, you're the whole point of the movie is to like get the, this sort of quasi lived experience of like this person like doing all this stuff why are they doing this you know like what how long have they been doing it, it it's almost inconsequential in the fact that you're 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 placed along with them you're doing a ride-along uh with her the entire time that she's, that she's doing all this stuff i think absolutely 100 uh audiences today as long as the thing is skillfully done, which this undoubtedly is, can get on board with that quicker than they could back in the day. 
and that's something based upon the fact that we live in ADD society. So people have like, you know, <laughs> less time to engage with people to, you know, just you got to get them to like and subscribe and, uh, so soon. This is my and- society, baby. ADHD. Uh- <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 don't, I don't know if me. that means that people are able to actually get with something, as you say, like empathy sooner. I think they just neglect it entirely. Like, I don't, I I think, don't know what the evidence I think the is people- that people are doing anything other than getting a shallower experience of these things more quickly. Well, that's why I'm saying it's, it's not, well, whether it's be shallower or more in depth, it's a different experience. It's a different experience right. to have it, to have it be shorter. I think right. as a film, it might benefit more from being shorter, just from the, the daunting uh, runtime is going to keep the kind of people. They're going to be kept away from daunting runtimes. Oh, yeah. That's a, away. Commercial, that's a commercial consideration that I agree with. Obviously it's keeping itself from being screened and it's daunting in that way. Yes. But, but I think the time. people that are engaging with it, because if you think about the, who's engaging with like, you know, uh, basically art house films at this day and age, you're going to be people that are really into movies. You're going to be more inclined to like get into it uh, quicker. And deeper than, than it would when you're like, what's this? It's a movie about like a housewife. What? Why would I care about this? Sure, you know, sure. uh, that that kind of just like, and I hate to say non-informed because of course it's informed, but it's not instant information. It's not like, no, hey. That's, but that's the whole point. That's the whole genius of it. Like at what point do you alter it and you basically just destroy what it's actually about? Well, you know, there's a there's a fine line to it, and that's that's as you should well know. That's the art of editing, isn't it? But but like I, I actually showed this in my editing class, and a, a kid almost wanted to fight me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I'm saying is that like like if in, in days of yore, it'd be number one on Sight and Sound magazine on Twitter, which we'd be like, what's Twitter? Let alone like what's number one on a list <laughs> that they've never heard of. Uh, but the the idea of that information moving so quickly, Oh, what's this thing that I've never heard of with this very long name? Uh, you know, that's going to be something that there, there's a certain enticement to it. Like, because there's a certain enticement in uh, nostalgia for things that never were, or nostalgia for things that are unknown uh, at this moment in time. Now, the thing is, I, it's, it's the way it is. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's the piece of art that it's meant to be. And it, it's, it sits very nicely in, in the Pantheon. Uh, I'm just saying, that the same stuff could have been accomplished with less time, but probably not then. Now it could be, but now it would be a totally different movie because again, there's different isms now, like that you yeah. want to be a part of anyway in the first place. <laughs> but there's different isms that are now, and it would it would come fraught with different context uh, as well. So as a piece of art, it's going to be intrinsically tied to the time, but also timeless as well. I, I mean, I did really look. I'm I don't give that many five star reviews out, frankly. Like that's something that like, and I used to be even more hard ass about. I, I look back at some of the old stuff that I rated and be like, oh, I gave that a three. Jesus, I love that movie. <laughs> you know, like, um, but it's not that I don't. I think that this, this is bad. I think this is this is an awesome movie. It's just that it's I, I, again, it, it's it's a bit of a Mount Everest for people for a lot of reasons. But I personally think that the stuff that this film does well and the stuff this film does that no other film does could be accomplished with a shorter runtime. I'm well, not saying I would want that right. role to figure yeah. out, but or well, anyone I, should. Let me just respond this way because I, I I hear what you're saying, but there's there's two parts of it that I think are worth at least just offering a, a pushback on slightly. Sure. It, it to me this is a movie that requires a lot of you, but it's like saying, well, when I go work out, these weights are so heavy, I could just work out better <laughs> if I just had light weights. But you're not mm-hmm. getting strong. You know what I'm saying? You're you're actually. Mm-hmm. So to ask that this be easier to apprehend would be giving back the whole 
not the whole, but a very, to me, in, integral part of what makes this so valuable is the challenging nature of it. Because I am also a very ADD person. I have difficulty paying attention. Reading has always been difficult. I have to be, you know, whatever, set and setting. You and uh, you and John Dillamon, you know, reading is well, reading. She does not like to sit there and read. That was. Uh, yeah. I, well, not at the table yeah. anyway. But it's the, the, the value of eventually coming around to getting on that vibe is, I think, the greatest part of it. Apart from the ideas, you could give all the ideas in a way in a shorter movie. You could get all these comments yeah. about women and about society and about, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, all these uh, sociological issues. But you wouldn't get the experiential effect if it was, you know, even five minutes shorter because you are. It's a, it's about not just I disagree with that. I think you it's could not, it's because it's only here's the other part. It's not only about what you're comprehending. It's what it's about actually using your eyes and your ears in a different way. It's literally like mm -hmm. a workout for the senses. And you could make the weight lighter, but then you wouldn't be getting as great a benefit from the workout, if you will. You wouldn't be getting those artistic gains with Z's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, you want to get swole in the art brain, you know. <laughs> I, I I hear what you're saying. I respect what you're saying, and I do not agree with what you're saying. I, I you know, <laughs> this culture you're right is working faster and faster and faster. But is that is that isn't that something to be fought? Isn't that something to be lamented? Isn't that oh, aren't we losing something by our inability to have shorter attention spans? I feel that way personally, and I work to you know I fight. You know, I'm watching an episode of Star Trek one minute and John Deal in the next. You know, I'm trying to make a space for that to work that muscle out because it's so, you know, I'm looking at my phone even at a 15 minute. Commercial I mean, you could you could fully just immerse yourself in it and become Andy and, uh, you know, have have like <laughs> six things going on screens at the same time. And uh... I, I normally do, you know, so this <laughs> is even more, I think. I, I mean, so, all right, so, so for. So for me, why is like watching something like Until the End of the World a treat and watching that the Batman movie torture? I don't know. Other than the fact that well, one's yeah, a movie and one's yeah. the Batman. But yeah. Yeah. One, <laughs> one, is, one has got something useful in it. The other one's just a piece of junk. But yeah, yeah the, the other one's got Robert Pattinson. But, it, uh, <laughs> but you, this is also somebody who defends uh, everything everywhere all at once, which is sort of giving Absolutely. into that aesthetic. It is the, the, the let's meet them where they're at kind of aesthetic. And to me, it's... Uh, I don't know. To me, that's like the road to idiocracy on a certain level. Well, but I'm not saying like cut into a 90 minute movie. Obviously, that wouldn't that wouldn't work. All right. I'm so, what's like, your best length? Was one hour length? I'm saying you could drop an hour from it and get across everything. But I also saying that nobody should do it, and I wouldn't want that job because yeah, like, it's just, a piece of art. Like I said, and I it works as a piece of art because it is like fuck you, three hours thirty four minutes or whatever it is. You know, it's like yeah. wow, okay. You know, but I also. Great. I, I, I like like I said before, I could think of a dozen ways to ruin this movie, and shorting it shortening it is one of them. But if if you saw a movie like Satan's Tango, that's seven hours, and honestly, by the three and a half hours in the middle, I was like, I can't wait to see what happens next. So yeah. there are movies that are ninety minutes long that I feel are interminable. You know, no movie is ever too long or too short. It's only like not you're not vibing with it. You know what I mean? So to me, to say a movie is too long means there's something about it that you aren't with that you don't like or think is good i mean i also just think in this case uh the length kind of is the point like a lot of people have talked about how the length that's is the point. what she said <laughs> but like the uh, banality of it you have to be okay. you have to be uh you know immersed in the banality of it in order to appreciate the end and kind of 
work your way. You can get that done. Yeah. With, with, you don't need four nav hours for that. You know? but, but see, <laughs> that's the other thing too, is that I think it's a misnomer to think that it's all banality. Cause like I, again, the monologue she's going through, she is, it, there's things happening. The drama is just on such a microscopic level that it requires that attention to detect it. Otherwise it does seem like banality and, and nothing's happening. What I'm saying with banality is, is the routine aspect of it, right? Like that really sure, is the length sure. it is yeah. the fact that you're sitting through her actual routine over the course of three days. I mean, Hey, they could make it a three day movie if they really wanted to. And you could see everything she does real in time. That entirety yeah, of the, time. I mean, a third of it would be her sleeping. And then you could, then we could have Conan be like, you could have cut those parts. I mean, uh, yeah, I exactly. don't know. Like, you could have. <laughs> her sleep acting was so good. <laughs> but remember when she, she she had like some kind of uh tussle that she was like rolling around? I, I, how would you can miss that? In the movie? Oh, no, but I mean, like, spider, it was amazing. That, but she, the up, she, is... sleep, she sleepwalked, she sleepwalked down the road, and I think she was sleepwalking. We followed her with the camera. I don't know where she went. <laughs> but what we're talking about is uh, okay, so get, moving back to until the end of the world, Vim Vendor's original idea was to have that be 22 hours long or something like that, which is. I love that movie, but I'm like, yo, I, I'm glad somebody talked you out of that because that would have been terrible. <laughs> well, what we, what we need is for, uh, you know, Chantal Ackerman to have come out with a clip that was like, I could have made the movie 20 hours long. And then you'd be like, oh, I think it's a good length. <laughs> Three and a half hours. Where's the director's cut of this movie? <laughs> I, I mean, so, so, but I think that we're talking about two things, which is working as a transgressive piece of art and, and working as, you know, one of the number one, like best films of all time. Right. And so as a, as a work of art, I think it's got to be exactly what it is, what the artist intended, the artist intended for it to be exactly that long. And that is how long it should be. Uh, Brazil, another one of my favorites. If, if you've ever seen like the edit that they tried to show on television, I mean, it's, it's like one of the worst travesties you've ever seen because they, it changes the entire movie and not for the better, I might add. And that's not the worst example of that. But again, the, one can admire the artistry of something and also be like, cool, there's about 50 movies I can go off the top of my head that I would consider better movies than, than John Gilman, as far as my own personal ranking, which is an arbitrary... Uh, uh, subjective line of thought anyway making a list of like what is what art is better than others well this you know this is something i, I find more enjoyable is robocop better than sean dillman i don't know in some ways i yeah. guess i don't know <laughs> you know like i like them both they're great i, like I, mean, I think it's about appreciating what this movie is trying to do i don't like right. I, I don't think i'd sit through this movie again and i don't think that i'm gonna be like hey like i'm i think this is the greatest movie of all time you know for my own taste <laughs> But appreciating what something's trying to do. I'm not someone that necessarily goes for like avant-garde stuff if I have the choice. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if I have the choice of like a movie that's conventionally conventionally narrated and scripted versus yeah. um, something avant-garde that I have to actually like challenge myself to watch. I mean, I'm glad I did with this, but like that's not necessarily what I would I wouldn't put that probably in my top hundred of things that I'd watch next again. I mean, one of my favorite directors is David Lynch, right? I'm not afraid of, of like challenging art. Like it's, and that is exactly what this is. And it's meant to challenge it challenges in different ways than it did back then, which is what makes it Especially a, if you a watch very it successful a, piece of art. In a theater and can't turn down the volume when that baby starts crying. Right. <laughs> Precisely. But I mean, I, I hope that that makes sense, Matthew, as, as far as, cause I, I think there's, again, I, what I, 
a lot of like you hear people talk about this film, which now we are, thankfully, it's in the conversation. You people just bitching about the length. It's like, no, you missed the point entirely. No, I got the point. I like the point. I feel it's successful at the point, but I'm thinking about them in terms of two different things. As a film, as a film going experience, I think you could have a version of this as a shorter, but I'm kind of, you know, there isn't one. How, that's how can you disprove the negative in the sense of like, how do you know that we would be, and maybe this didn't happen for you, but tuned into these little minutial things if it was compressed, you know, like it, it's, Again, I don't know if you well, see like how, run it at two times speed or anything. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, but I, it's just, it's just, I, it's not, it's not clear to me that that makes any sense that it, you could say that <laughs> it would have the same experiential things. effect at a, at a different length, you know. And again, it's, you said like transgressive, like in a way, I think every great, great work of art should be transgressive. It should upset your apple cart in some way, right? It should test you. And again, I'm not out there watching only movies that test me. Like I said, I watched plenty of crap TV. I watched plenty of entertaining movies. I love RoboCop and so on and so forth. But when we're talking the greats, a movie like Citizen Kane feels like entertainment compared to this, right? It's so much easier to oh, yeah. It carries you away. It's like you're involved in a very easy way. It's almost spoon feeding you compared to this. Uh, but so but really, John Dillman makes valuable. As far as as far as filmmaking goes, like I once said, like I, one of my one of my favorite own personal quotes is that when I saw Stalker, I said Starkovsky makes Lynch feel like Michael Bay, you know? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> which which I stand by. And I think you can say like the same thing that like you know it's is like uh, Chantel Ackerman doing the uh, John Dillman. It it makes it makes Orson Welles Citizen Kane look like James Cameron. You know, like, but exactly. it, it's, but uh, again, I'm talking about you could give it. Yeah, Charles so. Foster Kane could have fit on that boat or on that door. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Barbie movie saying. is going to be my sister. Look at all that sled. Right. The thing, too, I think, I think uh, James Cameron's actually a good uh, comparison because, like, uh, I think so, too. Whereas, That's why I made it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm, just because, like, like I didn't, I didn't say it lightly. It's not, I don't. I, I'm not saying it's not art, but it's not art in the same way. It created the language of of um, the genre. It, it's like you know, it's like yeah. looking at Will Eisner stuff. Will Eisner stuff's kind of pedestrian today, but but if you you know, back in the '40s when he was uh, creating that that visual language, you know, he was he was breaking new ground, and that's what Citizen right. Kane did. And we can all we can all uh, understand that, and and, and uh, that's what that did. And, but that's not trying to challenge you in the same way this is. This is trying to master the art of storytelling as a as a film, and that's that's a whole other a whole other ball game. It's achieving a different artistic goal too, uh, or different yes. artistic goals. Uh, I, I also look at it. Games. Like, it, but it's like it's like difficulty of the dive, right? When they dive, yeah. it's like you could get a ten on an easy dive, great. But even if you get a nine on one of these really complicated dives, that to me is a greater achievement. Look. I still watch every M. Night Shyamalan movie, even though I dislike far more of them than I like. But what I appreciate about that guy is he always takes big swings. I mean, like, I'm glad I'm talking baseball because his batting average is low. <laughs> but he takes big swings. And I appreciate that way more than someone just doing the hacky thing of, like, giving, and I would giving you all the show. formulaic. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, look at that, uh, that Star Wars movie, right? Where it's like, hey, idiots, you want this? Great. Here's like the thing you all asked for. I'm like, well, this is terrible. This, but this then is people like, will still bitch. 
And they, of course they're going to. People love complaining. That's like, uh, they, they, they love it. People complain about Ryan Gosling as Ken. I'm like... <laughs> I, think it's well, a, I think it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. they made Star Wars woke now? <laughs> did you see? Did you see what uh, A twenty four just put out? This statement about like um, asking the audience to not, um, you know what I'm talking about? Let me see if I can no. find that. It, and, and this is coming from A twenty four. Not to like about, judge the film until it gets so, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you did you see? Yeah, that? they're judging it based yeah. on the memes, which is it's well, just, they're, they're yeah, more modern. Like, um, uh, let me let me see where I. I hear somebody be like, "I'm already sick of the Barbie movie, and I don't know anything about it yet." I'm like, "Great, but it's, you're doing it's a wonderful job." It reflects this customer is always right kind of attitude towards pop culture yeah. and towards art, which is totally yeah. displays. Yeah, no, she, man, the customer is frequently wrong. <laughs> they said, "Please, please, please, stop seeing movies with your own preconceived scenarios and plot points already entrenched in your minds. Strap yourselves into your seats and let the writer and director take you on their ride. In the long run, run you will appreciate the experiences you have." regarding cinema i mean oh, it's yeah. like people are trying to people are already like i know what the what joker 2 is about and i'm like no you don't They're like well i saw all these cops around lady gaga and they completely ignored her focus on walking phoenix that means something and i'm like i well yeah, wait and see social it's media a completely was a different idea. way of approaching the, the the experience like it's like uh, give, me, give me what i want and don't depart from what i want as opposed to going into it saying like show me something i've never seen before please and even if it's a little weird i'm giving it the benefit of the doubt and i could have my mind blown and that's you know and i grant i get it i sometimes i just want to watch an episode of star trek that i've seen a hundred times to have the same comforting experience fine i get that sure. or or to see it rearranged in some different surface way but essentially the same you know but make room or isn't there a space for well, a really yeah. weird thing just like there should be space Watch me do this now to, 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 to a movie that you quite enjoy to have a critique of it that doesn't say this is a better movie if it's shorter, but to bring up the fact that versus the art of it being or an artistic statement versus being a film doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it just for me. It not only isn't the number one mean, film of, of all time, you, I think it means you not even top 50. It. I think it means yeah. you didn't enjoy it. Or I, articulate I, I, why you hated the film. Don't I got say, four oh my stars God, to tell you. This is the worst otherwise. film in the world. Okay, explain why. Yeah, believe I me. If stars. I don't like something, you'll hear about it. Trust me. I got you, stars. Like right here. Oh. <laughs> I mean, and actually, usually, if I really don't like something, I won't say anything. I'll just be very silent about it. But like, no, I, th I think it's awesome. And I, I think Chantal Ackerman's look. And I said, uh, taking back to Vin Vendors, we're going to do Wings of Desire next week, right? Is that yeah, next week? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, I think that's Vim Vender's best film, his best movie. Definitely. But Until yeah, the End of the World is my favorite artistic Texas. statement of what he did. Oh, yeah. So, go ahead, Matthew. Sorry. No, I was just going to say Paris, Texas is 1A with that. Paris, yeah. Texas is 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 fantastic as well. Uh, and and kind of exists in its own uh, world and own category. But this isn't the Vim Vender's podcast. Uh, although it's no, reaching I, Vim Vender's length without getting the letterbox. I, I just, I just want to say one last thing. If, I don't know if we're wrapping up or anything, but uh, <laughs> no, no, we just got two more. We got two more bits and final thoughts to do. So. Like oh, okay, all right. Do do the bit then. Do the bit. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. I will. Uh, <laughs> uh, letterbox, of course, a place for film, place for film lovers, just like people on this panel right now, <laughs> to talk at with and to each other about the movies they love, the movies they didn't love, the movies that their friends thought that they didn't love because they had mild critiques of. 
And uh, of course, all of this is uh, it's an open source democracy, bottom up. Everyone gets to have their say, not just Siskel's and Ebert's of the world. And of course, for the purposes of this bit, that's all best expressed succinctly. Keep it succinct. Keep it ADD, folks. Uh, and uh, only way I know how, baby. <laughs> working in your tight five in front of the brick wall of the comedy store. These are the letterbox one-liners for Jean Gilman. Let's go. Chantel Ackerman could crash a plane into a building, but Christopher Nolan could never drop a spoon or overcook a potato. <laughs> Boom. That is deep. I love that. That is deep. Good job, Adam. So Deeper true. than anything uh, Christopher Nolan's come up with. <laughs> Personally, I was hoping for more nihilistic fucking. You don't That's really awesome. see the, the fucking except in that last, uh, like they, they close the door to you for that part, which is something that I kind of found. Yeah fascinating like when she's actually Y'all just wanted to watch her fuck <laughs> well well I, I could watch i could watch uh you know j2 il j2 for that you yeah. sure can yeah <laughs> <laughs> i may <laughs> i may or may not have paused halfway through this and watched two episodes of sexy beasts with my family that's honest <laughs> uh i as an aside, I did not. I thought they were talking about the movie Sexy Beast. No, there's a TV show called Sexy Beasts, and I, I looked it up, and it is is something to behold. Let's put it that mm. way. Hmm. No one will be admitted during the potato peeling scene. Oh, thankfully <laughs> for Forrest, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was no. They, they were real lax. Uh, they were real lax in the uh, in the security department. Like they're supposed to check Definitely. your bags. And I brought in like a thing of water and two energy yeah, drinks, did. and nobody. Liked he brought it. in potatoes to peel in uh, solidarity. <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> there are only two types of people in this world: Jean Dielman on day two, and Jean Dielman on day three. <laughs> <laughs> that one's awesome. I'm, I'm day three, <laughs> all the way, baby. You think over, and that's a good one. Boring. Ten out of ten. This one's my favorite. <laughs> 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 this is uh this is this one is truly uh you know going into the the uh the the dialectical uh reasons for this movie's success <laughs> christina peeking out from behind the letterbox one liners is my new favorite thing by the way <laughs> the portal scene in avengers endgame wants what the moment with sylvain tells gene that she missed a button has awesome <laughs> right, they wish Hey guys, thank you for watching my domestic housework ASMR video. My name is John Dealman. Be sure to like and subscribe if you want to see more content like this. Totally sad and also totally happy. I follow a lot of ASMR. I see, man, I go to. I need my noise machine. I need my room to be dark. I got ASMR in the background. My mom's like, you, you have a lot to go and take a trazodone. I have a whole like going on. I sleep with a fan on me since I was like eight years old. Yes, I, need I mean, a big a big part of this movie, though, is the fact that she's trying to deflect from her trauma, from her personal experience or whatever. I, I kind of find it fascinating that now that we have streaming and like, uh, you know, like streaming services and movies, like anything you want really available to you, um, her, her routine in this, right? Like, would a movie like this be made today? They'd just be like, well, why isn't she just watching something on TV or something? You know what I mean? Like, or why isn't she distracting herself in this way or this way or this way? Uh Whereas in this movie, she has no real way to distract herself. I well, mean, we're maybe seeing all to... the ways. We're seeing all the ways. They're just not the ways we have today. No, but I mean, what I mean is like uh, throwing yourself into something else, like uh, like a TV show or like a you know, like all the ways that we distract ourselves on a constant basis. Right. Um, right. 
not existing to somebody of that generation. She would just be listening to a podcast that she went on her errands. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. Making meatloaf was just like Candy Crush. Well, I'm saying you, you don't have to really hear your inner monologue. And assumably she is hearing some kind of inner monologue that's, um, you know, of, of her routine that we're not hearing, but she's hearing. Um, yes. Like, you don't have to ever actually hear yourself think if you don't want to. Yeah. This day yeah. We age. have more ways to stuff it down these days. Yeah. She could have been. She also, yeah, I was gonna say she could have also become an alcoholic, but (laughs) well, she could also be a webcam girl. Okay, go on. (laughs) In which forgetting to turn off a light switch feels like an absolute travesty. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, according to according to uh, according to my mom with the electric bill because we're getting price gouged right now, it is an absolute travesty. When you forget to <laughs> turn off. Oh, really? My, my, our, our, ours is set up where you can pay like a certain amount, like during like a, uh, like certain yeah, amount of money. Level billing plan in the house. Where you don't pay, and I'm like, awesome. Oh, we're, well, we're we're having this big problem with um Central Hudson, the electric company, where they're price gouging. So like our bill went up like 900 percent one month. Damn. What the fuck? Yeah, but they're, like, they're, like the state, like uh, they're claiming that our, our representatives are suing uh central hudson because of that but like nothing has ever happened and they're, they're all bought by the power company anyway so mm-hmm. <laughs> but we elected a socialist on that platform for the first time ever <laughs> okay next all right can i get out of my bit now or are we gonna no, 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 no one was stopping you <laughs> <laughs> other than the production well that escalated quickly <laughs> famous last words was it quickly though i don't know i disagree with one word <laughs> the end it escalates yeah, yeah. the, oh, the, yeah, the escalation i think is fast but the you right. know getting there getting there was quite the journey right right, right. The, the, well that escalated slowly would maybe be the better yeah. one sorry mikey we got notes for you i, I would say <laughs> and that escalated at the exact right pace it needed to yeah. <laughs> exactly the kid alone drove me insane no reading at the table yes okay john we we see you I mean, but what's the alternative? They just eat in in morbid silence, right? Like today, there'd be a TV or a, a radio right. or something on, right? I, I grew up watching TV while we ate. We never just sat yeah. at the table. There was a TV on constantly, a little TV on the kitchen counter. Oh man, so, so, was, was Star Trek was on, and, and Star Trek was, was on. Yep. Oh, Jeopardy! The point that I was fortune. trying to make about whether this movie could be, you know, uh, would be made today. I mean, it wouldn't, but like the the she has so much things she could drown out her. Uh, you know, Holocaust thoughts with these days. Yeah, Star Trek. Drown <laughs> out your Holocaust thoughts with Star Trek. Indeed. Those are the Letterbox <laughs> one-liners for John Dillman. Uh, please, fo- please follow the show. Uh, that's Widowed Mantis over there. Uh, Criterion uh, 720p, 1020. Uh 1080. Sorry, I blew the joke. Uh, Movie Night Extra. He's he's representing the show. Uh, and I am day three, Kona Neutron, at Kona Neutron, all over that business. Uh, watching the highbrow, the midbrow, the populist fair, all that kind of stuff. Uh, follow the Criterion Challenge along with me, if you if you dare. Uh, J. Andrew Button Quest. Button Quest? <laughs> that's what, button that's quest, John Dillman's Button Quest. <laughs> He's on yes. the Button Quest, people. Uh, no Canadian. child will move during John Dillman on ice, but maybe you'll be moved by Andy's great <laughs> <laughs> unearthing of the craziest movies you ever uh, knew existed uh, and the weirdest stuff that you did not know, but uh, maybe you want to know more about. So follow him uh, right you behind you. Do you, though? I, I don't know. It's not for me to judge. <laughs> I'm just calling balls and strikes, people. I'm just... just <laughs> 
attempting to exit the bit with honor and, and dignity. <laughs> uh, Christina Oaks, Cosmopolitics over there, doesn't speak French. She speaks German. Every once in a yeah, while, oh. she speaks letterboxed. Not, 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 that, not that often, though. Uh, maybe maybe she'll come back. I don't know. Maybe if you clap hard and believe in fairies, maybe she'll come back. Maybe she was, uh, comes out. She was she's so anti letterbox that she she uh, left. You know the episode we had Slim on. She uh, she did. She that's true. Yeah, that's right. She, she heard he was coming. I'm like I'm out. I ain't going on this. Yeah, one. that's exactly what happened. Uh, Matthew film guy, of course, the OG letterboxed. Uh, actually, maybe the one that I heard about the platform in the first place from. Maybe. Oh, wow. I would. Uh, I think so. I think so. Uh, Langdon Boom, please follow him. He's uh he, he throws it down. You can also uh, join his class, but that's for the bits. Um, he is peeling potatoes though, so that's important to know. Button Quest, take us away with the plugs, please. All right, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, please do the YouTube things, like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell so you can uh, never miss a video. And the big ask is watch us to the end, so uh, you can help us find uh, movie fans out there, and you get to hear a great Conan Neutron song. I hope I said that right. I think I did. We're good. <laughs> Oh, we're also on Twitch, so do the Twitch things. Um, you actually, you, you like, did you just expect to get like critiqued? Because you did that fine. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thought I tripped over some words there, but I that's feel okay. like you're in, you're in day three. I could have trimmed it. Like, oh, it was I too long. Okay. All right. All right. Yes. Okay. There we go. There we go. There's the bit. There's the bit, folks. Um, mm -hmm. anyway, good. Topical. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're also on Twitch, so if you can, throw us a sub. Um, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. That helps us out a great deal. Uh, doesn't cost you a penny. So, so please go ahead and do that if you can. Uh, we are on social media sites. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please find us and follow us there. Um, uh, you know, you can interact with the show, with the show hosts, and uh, uh, who knows uh, what's going to happen. I don't. Just like these plugs. <laughs> <laughs> Duck the landing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, this is why we're unpredictable. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going to happen. Yeah. No, but we do have a Patreon, and uh, with that Patreon, you can we definitely know what's happening there. You're giving us money. We appreciate. That. Yeah, you're giving us money, and you're getting access to our past after parties because right. they're up there forever. And uh, um, yeah, it's it's uh, after parties are a lot of fun. If you don't always get to join us live, you get to see the craziness recorded later. But if you don't pay us money, you don't get to see it. And it's that simple. So go pound sand. Are we yes, doing yes. one of those today? <sighs> I don't know. I, don't, I, mean, I feel like this has become a game time decision and we're already like 220. <laughs> <laughs> no promises on my end. Let's put it that way. Yeah, same In yeah. fact, my only promise might be that I'm going to go lay down after this. <laughs> my neck is killing me. <laughs> Zach. My potato peeling hand is numb. <laughs> are we, Widow Mantis, are we doing an after party? We're not doing an after party, are we? I think no, I guess not. I mean, I do, I definitely want to do one for Wings of Desire, though. We've gone, I mean, this is two hours and 20 minutes already. Yeah, it's enough. It's enough. Yeah, yeah. Just, we're only an hour shorter than the movie, so we should. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got 30 more minutes left of Andy's plug, so yeah, exactly. Oh, Great, we're well, going. Yeah. We're up to Coda Neutron right now. Who, who's yes, uh, the best part of the plugs, my stuff. <laughs> Yeah, which uh, I think you have the uh, busiest person up, on right? this podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. There was so much going on. I lost track of what was happening. What's that? Yeah, you have tour dates coming up, correct? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, I, I'll announce those next week, though. We'll talk about those next. Okay, week. okay, all right, all right. I knew they were coming up. I just uh... there's a New York show. Uh, there's a Louisville show. Like it's, it's. I'm gonna have it in a nice, neat manner for you, so you don't have to. Excellent. So, so look forward to uh, upcoming tour dates for from Conan, yeah. uh, which is a big deal. Uh, but you also um, big deal for uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but there's also a Protonic reversal. There is, there is. Uh, coming up this week, uh, Mike Moraski from Steel Pole Bathtub, uh, Milk Cult Cassette Prophet is his newest thing. He also was the head of visual effects for the Lord of the Rings movies by, uh, oh. you know, this guy, the guy that did uh, Dead Alive. You know, you guys heard of him? I think I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. And oh, wow. uh, if you're into That's video weird. games, he's done all of the sound and sound design for these uh, Left for Dead games that all the kids love too. So, uh, yeah, interesting cat. Uh, one of I my favorite guitar players. Album. Yep. Yeah, that's he's uh exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bone Records alumni, uh, Mike Moraski. And we actually did a first part that there was supposed to be a second part of very soon, and it's it's been about a year and a half. But yeah, Mike Mike's great. So it should be an interesting talk. That sounds great. And of course, uh there's a caterwall coming up. So get your tickets for this. There is indeed. Forty five days away, I think like that. Yeah. that looks huge. It sounds like it's going to be a blast because there's some That's... great bands, including Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. And are playing, yes. Action Chief. Action Chief is a rare Action Chief appearance. And yes. action, action Chief's own Joe Cannon coming on next week. For... Yeah, with, and uh, again, it's you know, just called the Resurrection will be there. <laughs> yes. is, is Surprise Secret Band the name of a band? or is It, it is not the name of a band. Okay. Uh, okay. I, cool. I almost wanted to put not a band. Yeah, it's just a band we haven't announced yet. Yo, it would be, it would be, uh, it would be mad funny to call your band that though. And like every Surprise time you play band. somewhere, everyone's like, Whoa, who's it gonna be? And it's just like, Oh, these guys that I don't know anything. All right, they're just called Surprise Seeker Band. They just thought it was a good band name. Uh, Callan Walt City was actually gonna play this year, but they, they didn't. Uh, that is notable because uh, Matthew. Uh, is good friends with Jason Pace, uh, as am I as well, who did the Matthew Film Guy theme song Majority Report. That is his claim to fame. That is his biggest claim to fame. It it really is his biggest claim to fame. Ian from Kowloon Wall City has actually been on this very show twice. Yep. He's a letter. Stalker and Dead or Alive, which could not be more different movies, but (laughs) he stayed right on this floor once. So there you go. There you go. There you go. Ian Miller, good friend of the show, Ian Miller. Uh, Calumet is not playing though, but 55 other freaking bands are playing. So yeah, good value, people. If you like noisy stuff and heavy stuff, then yeah. And if you can't come wait get some. for um uh, for Carwall <laughs> to uh to hear some kind of Neutron, you can always go to NeutronFriends.Bandcamp.com and order some albums. Uh, get digital downloads, get it on vinyl, get it on yep. compact disc. Not available on cassette or a track. That I'm aware of, no. <laughs> not, 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 not by my hand, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's like this 8-track. These kids love 8-tracks these days. Some it's crazy. Alley 8-track maker. Yeah, just say, hey, kid, you want an 8-track? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know cassettes have made a weird comeback, and I, and I don't quite have. It's the fidelity's not there, but like, like records I get because of the fidelity. Yeah. Cassettes... So, but- I don't know. People like want something cheap to sell at the merch table. I don't. I don't quite get it. I, I, I just paid top dollar for a uh, retro reproduction of Pavement's like demo tape that they sold. Like, oh, they, they like reproduce it at? Yeah, it looks, it like, looks a demo like, tape. like the handwritten everything. Yeah, yeah that's kind of clever. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a nostalgia thing, right? Yeah, I'm so, not going to listen to it. It's just going on the show. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I got payments first demo tape. Yeah, we all we all have. That. We all do. With thirty bucks. Like <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah, thirty five bucks. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I did. It wasn't thirty five bucks. It really? was thirty bucks. It was oh, good bucks. for those dudes. All with right. the shipping. I, I did an album cover for a uh, an eighties tr- uh, cover album, and we um, uh, put it out on cassette. And and made it look like one of those early cassettes. Oh, oh nice! Look at that. Yeah, you, you know the early cassettes where they have put the entire album cover in like a box, and then below it they print out the. Uh... <laughs> I like that they have like the fake branding too. That's good. Yeah, it's you know? it's yeah. The, what they sent away is like their demo to get signed. Yeah, yeah, it looks just like the tapes you used to sell at Tower Records yeah. in Berkeley. Yeah. I'm not even <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Sorry, that's fantastic. Handwriting and all. But yeah, please get get your cut of Neutron yeah, music. Uh, exactly. And... We're still in my plug somehow. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to help. Yeah, buy, uh, buy my stuff. In summation, buy my stuff. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're done buying Conan stuff, um, check yes. out Christina on uh, Twitch. Yes. And tomorrow's a big day for me because I'm being interviewed by Professor Joshua Atkinson, who is a professor at uh, Bowling Green State University in Ohio. He's nice. he's contacted me, Hassan Piker, so many of other Twitch streamers, and uh, as many that reach out to him, like myself, or will reach back. We're all going to be interviewed by about like our Twitch channels and our communities. So awesome. I'm pretty excited for tomorrow. Wow, cool! Very cool. Yeah, and you can and also uh, when she's oh, when she's ahead. not dog sitting, she's on yes. Twitch. I'll be I'll be streaming after the interview, so that'll be fun. I love that. That's it. Did you hear that? I was in her intro, uh, Matthew. Like uh, when she's not. Well, because I I did the all right. <laughs> I read. <laughs> I read, I read, I read uh, where are you? I, I dog sit whenever I'm not house cleaning. You, and, what and what streaming. part of the country are you in? South Carolina. <laughs> oh, okay. Be a bit of a commute for you. That'd be some walk though for those dogs. <laughs> well, a lot of them have backyards. So that'd be like, what was the, the the great adventure, the great escape? What was it called with those with the the, the two dogs and the the cat, and they're running around trying to get home. Homeward oh. bound. Homeward bound. There we go. Oh, yeah. The great escape. It's definitely not the great escape. <laughs> Steve McQueen That's what the is dogs dug the way out of a concentration camp. Is there a movie called The Great Adventure? I feel like there should be a movie called The Great Adventure. Probably is. Probably is. I don't know. There's an amusement park. But but when you're done watching, uh, it has to be from the 1920s or something, or it doesn't count though. The Great Adventure. <laughs> but when you're done watching Christina on Twitch, please buy her coffee. Go to kofi.com/cosmopolitics. Uh, I think I got that right. I hope. Yes. Good. Yes, do that. Do that. Give her money. Kofianon.un. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there, there is a movie called The Great Adventure. It is an Italian movie, and it's set during the American Gold Rush era. So yeah, unforgettable tale of an, <laughs> unforgettable tale of an orphan boy and his wild dog must battle against the Yukon wilderness and human greed to help save a frontier town. Oh, that sounds who can, cool. Who can? Who uh, Jack Balance is in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. There Put you go. Answer list. my own question. <laughs> Throw it on. And uh, Matthew. You got a. Uh, I heard you uh, on the majority report talking about a movie you were working on. Uh, well, the a movie that I just edited uh, just came out at South by Southwest, directed by Brittany Snow, and we're hoping that that comes out at some point soon. It got a lot of good reviews. It's called Parachute, so people can look out for that. They can go see some of the other movies I edited: Black Bear, uh, a horror movie called Abandoned, um, another one called Detonator. But really, if you really want to get the full Matthew Film Guy experience. 
you can uh, go follow me on Twitter or um, Letterboxd and then come take my class. I do a film appreciation class where I show you all these same kind of difficult movies like like Jean Dillman, although I don't show anything over about two and a half hours uh, for commercial reasons, uh, business reasons. But uh, you can come hang out. We uh, show you a movie on uh, on a link. You watch it on your own, and then you join about 15 to 20 really cool people, a lot of people from the Majority Report world, a lot of uh, older people who were in my original version of it, which was a senior citizen's like uh, continuing education class. And we have like a two-hour discussion where I haven't seen the movie either, so we're all like getting into it for the first time and figuring it out, and it's always cool. It's always a lot of fun. And, You're going to uh, run out of movies at some point. Nope. I literally have a watch list of like 2,000 movies, so I don't think Damn. that's ever going to really happen. But you can actually go on my letterbox. One of my lists on letterbox is all the movies that I have that you've shown, done. Yeah, and you can get a sense of the kind of stuff that I pick. It's not uh, any one country, any one time. I mean, all the only real uh, common factor is that I haven't seen it. I've been hearing that it's great or it's the work by a director who else uh, other work I like. Uh, we did watch the Rendezvous of Anna there. Um, but we go all over the place, and it's never anything less than interesting conversation. So even if you don't like the movie, which uh, usually you do. So, yeah, come hang out with me there if you want, or just come chat me up on Letterboxd or Twitter. And thanks for having me, guys. This was really awesome. I have a fun time with you all the time, and it was wonderful. And, and thanks for taking my request. I feel like maybe I've pushed you guys to do this movie, but uh, I really appreciate it. Like pushing ourselves. Putting yourself I wish, I wish I had been able to hang out and, like, uh, you know, get a drink and talk about it afterwards, and I didn't have to try to rush for a fucking bus, like, an hour after the fucking movie. Yeah, that was a bummer, but there will be more opportunities. And and actually, if you're in New York, they're doing the series still at, at the Museum of the Moving Image Movies, uh, Jean Dillman and its roots. So uh, I just saw an Agnes Varda movie that was incredible, oh, cool. also a five-star movie. Uh, I think next week I'm going to go see uh, The Central Region, which is the Michael Snow movie that she said like really made her understand that she could do a movie this way. And that movie has like no plot and no story. He just goes up on a mountain with a camera on a gimbal and... Apparently, it's just breathtaking, and it's also three hours long. So, uh, Conan, come join me for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, we're we're playing New York City. We haven't played New York City since 2019 at end of May. Um, so, yeah, we'll, oh, see, well, we'll see. We'll see. So, we'll, yeah, we there, should, there might be a sure. time to do shit. Yeah, we should definitely figure <laughs> something out. But, yeah, anyway, uh, see you all there, and thanks again for having me, guys. And oh, uh, any final, final thoughts? Yeah, do, you have, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, that, well, that well, was a good situation. My, my final thought is. This is not. This movie is unlike a lot of other movies. This is a movie that is as much about, and, and I'm not saying it's unique solely, but as with a lot of my favorite movies, this is a movie that's as a much as much about what it does to you and the experience that you are having subjectively in the theater as you're watching it and being forced to try to understand it as it is a story or a concept or a theme or an allegory in some way that it's telling you. And that, that is the difference I think that makes this not just better in degree, but in kind it's, it's the entire thing that it's after is something a little bit different than your average movie, which means it's much more difficult and much less pleasurable on its surface. Although I have to say as after the fourth time, this is extremely pleasurable. It, it has so many rewards. Once you're, locked in but what it does to you is to me the point of this movie as much as it is what it's saying about any one thing that we could all agree on women and politics and so on and so forth 
Um, and for that, I'm just uh, in complete and total gratitude that this movie exists. Okay. And get some heat, frankly. I mean, get some attention, you know? Yeah. Let's it, put a fine point on it. Yes. Yes. Call it Michael Mann because it's getting some heat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that is true, too. I'll say it's just a wonderful thing. When, when that came out on the list, my reaction was, oh, my God, yes. Not yeah. like, what the fuck? I, you know, it was like, oh, was my God, Satan sound is getting woke. Yeah. Too woke. <laughs> Finally, my woke project is paying yeah. off. No, I, I just was like so happy that, this movie that I have. I have I have forced you talk to my friends. I have forced a lot of people to come see this movie against their will, and you know I'd say about fifty percent of them uh, were glad about it. But uh, it was it was actually a very rewarding thing to see this movie getting its due. Um, in the, the other fifty percent, maybe you don't want to reach out to because I don't know if they, if they no, they're ever, dead to uh... me. They're dead to me. <laughs> um, but but yeah, Christina, final thoughts. Yeah, uh, what I loved about this film is how intimate and simple, surprisingly, this this movie is. Um, I did not mind the length of the film because if I'm really into a film, I don't care how long it is, as long as I enjoy it, it's all good. Um, but um, I will say that that um, this film is a feminist film, surprisingly, in, in my opinion. And I do like the fact that she was like, this film is not really political or all feminist or whatever. And I do like the idea of it being, you know, of a director not really thinking that there's this huge, huge message behind the film. And I know that this is like one of her first films. So, I mean, I appreciate the fact that this she was like 25 years old and she made like a freaking phenomenal film. And I highly recommend it. She's such a baby when you see her in the uh, yeah, yeah. in the in the documentary of making it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Andy, final thoughts. I, you know, I, I was kind of uh, amazed because uh, I was uh, the only thing I really watched from Belgium was uh, JCVD, uh, the Jean Claude Van Damme movie, where he uh, actually <laughs> robs the muscles from Brussels. Yes, um, of course, of course. But uh, uh, you know, so so, it's so those two, you... those are the only two movies that the country's ever produced. Actually, it's crazy. Yes. <laughs> no, and, and, which which by the way is a good film too, but but not not the same level as uh, uh-huh. this one's yeah. playing at. Uh, you know this this was this is a this is a great experience yeah i remember uh like this is my first time watching i did it. say I, I, I did say john claude van damme when she killed the guy at the end though <laughs> <laughs> there you go. yeah um yeah, as you were saying yeah, no. Was, <laughs> um, I spent a good amount of time, uh, you know, because this is my first time watching it uh, during like that first day, thinking to myself, "Well, how, how does she get her Johns?" Like, 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 you know, there's no internet. She, yeah, she's not been out wait, there I, I didn't think. Was there that. any back pages? Like, where? How, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's what's <laughs> going on here? Like, like, or is it people like, that she knows? That's that the back story like, I wanted. I, I figured it was a exclusive word of mouth network. Mm. Yeah. But then, they, but they then, didn't... where where did the first one come from, and how did she break into the field? And you know what? Where's no, that I'm... Disney Plus prequel series? Is what he's asking. <laughs> the Mandalorian. Um... <laughs> they take off their mask. You won't believe what happens next. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like once once the movie got going, I kind of stopped thinking about that and started thinking things like, why isn't there a uh, sassy black guy narrating over this cooking scene? Because that's how I'm used to watching my cooking videos. Um, <laughs> Oh, by the way, when it when it hit the sight and sound uh, top movie, there was a TikTok or I, I don't know if it was TikTok or Twitter challenge. I think it was TikTok where people put up videos of themselves 
doing the cooking from the from the actual movie, and that was like a big thing for a while. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, That's awesome. awesome. I saw some with like of that. a with like a hashtag and everything. And, and did people like leave commentaries over it? Like, like you know, show the videos. Like, no, no, what are you doing? Putting Cool Whip in there? That that's crazy, white people. You know? No, flour, no, egg, breadcrumbs, not breadcrumbs, flour, egg. You're doing it all wrong. Did you didn't you watch the movie? Um, <laughs> but uh, but Conan, final thoughts. Yeah, uh, you know, stunningly unique work of art. It's a pioneering first in representation of the classically domestic woman, uh, the advent of slow cinema realism, and also testing the limits of patience of the audience, which, again, being tested and challenged aren't necessarily bad things in my mind. Uh, there's a lot of interesting choices in here that lead up to, again, as we mentioned before, small moments like dropping the spoon, almost knocking over the milk, etc., that show you... Uh, the titular character gentleman's internal conflict without ever actually telling you what's going on in her mind. There's a lot of, uh, as, as mentioned, showing, not telling with that. Uh, it's a philosophical piece. It's meant to be transgressive and push boundaries. It's doing that in different ways. As I've mentioned earlier on, I think it's telling that the movie's connected with people in the modern age of lockdown and maddening routine. Um, something that would seem totally alien uh, to the modern person, some suddenly becomes very relatable, and the context of it changes. Uh, so that's a that's a true sign of a great piece of art, and I'm really glad that we covered it. And I thought this was a really cool conversation. So there you go. All right, and uh, thanks so much for coming on, Matthew, film guy. It's always uh, great always to have you. Always, Thank always you a guys. good time. We'll be back next week for uh, you know Wings of Desire, which uh, should be a, a an interesting conversation. I think that um, I haven't seen that, so it's, it's two movies that. Uh, I haven't seen that, um, you know, this one and that one that I've, I, I feel like, uh, yeah, like the, the, the Compared fact to that until the end of the world in Paris, Texas, it's practically transformers. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> no, I was saying like, I'm saying like the, uh, you know, two like very experimental, I think directors, uh, yeah. back to back. So maybe this is experimental month. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Experiment is, will we end the show?